Welcome to The Joy of Comics, episode 17. I'm Rich Lepore, and I am here with... Jordan Alseka. Kevin Schaefer. And today we are going to be talking about... Uh, well, I should say we're going to be doing a comic book graphic novel book club. And yes. you know what the uh, the only and first rule of comic uh, graphic novel book club is, right? Uh, we all have to read the book. I yeah, think that's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. it, unfortunately. It's a little anticlimactic. Um, this this, second e- one. this episode, know. however, will not be. Um, we're going to be talking about latest comic news, like we do, like is done. We are going to be talking about the movies and comic books and comic-related stuff that we've been experiencing lately, reading, slash, All the playing. hot newness. And yeah. we're going to go back in time 14 years and are talk we? about an old book. Oh, yes, right, right. Yeah. However, a very relevant book. And, yeah, sure. a chosen... sem- and a seminal one for Jordan here. Yes. Very, very true. Uh, but yeah. it, although Brian K. Vaughn, I think he's been slipping down on the on the top charts lately, right? Isn't it? No, it... I need to read Saga 2. It did come out finally. The yeah, the Saga big tome. Hardcover too, the yeah. hardy tome. I wonder I if it can't has wait a... for that long for this. I, I wonder if the that. script book's in the back of it. They're also big and weighty. Like I, I, I see the wisdom that you have a little bit, Kevin, with where you're like, I like the littler books better. Yeah. Because the big book's beautiful and it looks sweet on my oh, shelf. Great. Yeah, and I wouldn't but... pass it up for a million dollars because of the fact that it's got the scripts in the back. However, it's unwieldy as shit. Yeah. yeah. I disagree. I, I like big books. Yeah. yeah. I, I dig a little a little flipper in my hand. I just um, picked up the seventh trade. Now I love I love uh, oversized format. It's just the it's it's, it's just the, the heaviness of it. Yeah, you know, I, I like yeah, that it's yeah. taller and wider. That right. I'm all about. But right. Anyway, I digress. Brian so. K. Vaughn, um, one of the biggest books. Is that how he got like his real start? Was it Runaways? I mean, it's that, and it's Why the Last Man. Those yeah. are sort of the one-two punch. He's yeah. done other stuff. You know, there are trades now that come out collecting his earliest stuff. Like there's Batman by Brian K. Vaughn as a trade, and he pretty much oh. disso. Like, all of his Batman work, he yeah. doesn't think it's any good. Same thing with... I what think, writer likes their work from two decades ago, I, though? Not to mention, I think he did a run on... I know he did a run on um, Swamp Thing that he fucking hates. Yeah. He always talks mad shit on that run. Mm-hmm. I think of he did course, a little X-Men yeah. at some point. Yeah, 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 he did. He did. And then he also did that um, The Oath, was it called? Mm-hmm. The Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange Oh, yeah, yeah. That you're all about. That, that real, one's pretty well-beloved, though. Was yeah. that early on? So he'll, he'll claim that, that was one. a little after. I think during Runaways, okay. or after. He'll claim that one. He'll um, be like, you guys like it? All right. It's mine. So we'll it's talk. Cool. We'll talk Brian K. Vaughn. And then he worked on uh, Under the Dome and knocked it out the park. That's a knocked thing. it out the dome. <laughs> TV shows are, lost, are difficult. Yeah. yeah, he did write Lost. It's, this yeah. is true. This um, is true. Um, but anyway, we're going to be talking about Runaways. Um... It's, it's a huge deal, especially lately because Hulu has announced that they have picked up uh, at least a first season of yeah. the Runaways TV series. It's coming mm-hmm. to Hulu in 2018. Uh, there was a brief teaser 46-second mini trailer. That leaked. It's, it was not right. officially released. Right, right. Nonetheless, uh, you and I have seen it. I know you didn't have a chance, Kevin, um, before it was pulled. But um, it's still on YouTube. I found a copy of it. I mean, okay, you can, you can yeah. watch it. It's just some dude with a camera in the theater when, the, you know, just exactly right, what Marvel right. doesn't want to happen right, is exactly right. what it is. But sure. but anyway, it's it's very, we'll talk more about Runaways, but it's an interesting uh, glimpse at how faithful or not faithful the new series is going to be. And uh, you can probably guess, um, but I will, uh, we will discuss that a little more when and we get then, to it. Yeah, and then we have a couple of announcements at the very end of the show. So we got a lot going on today. All right. All right. Um, cool. But we're gonna start like we always do, I assume, right? With news. Yeah. 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 So let's uh, let's talk about some uh, some some comic related news. Um, I I I can't get it out of my head ever since you showed me this Nightwing fascism thing. <laughs> what is this nonsense? It's not called Nightwing fascism. It's I, I thought for a well. second when yeah, you said it, it was called Nightwing fascist. Nightwing: The New Order from Kyle Higgins as writer. 
And it's basically, it's an alternate future story where Nightwing is basically going, you know, we're going to kill all the superheroes and outlaw them and just have human heroes. And then they've already kind of couched it where like, but then when it turns on his own family, he decides to fight, rebel against it. So it's like this fascist future where Nightwing's yeah. a huge douche, but then he isn't a huge douche yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know this is an alternate universe thing, but do you think it's um, in conjunction with, like, the button and all that? No. On? Well, I mean, anything could... Who knows with that? Anything um, could be the, related yeah. to the button. Yeah. Didn't I hear that there was a recent... Speaking of comic book news, didn't I hear that there was a recent, like, issue that was big? I remember when I went to get the books um, for you at mm-hmm. the comic store, they were like, hey, did you did your friend have this yet? And they showed me this... Um, it's the button. Yeah, the storyline is happening. Called the button. But what is it? It, who was, was it in the Batman run? It's Batman, Batman and Flash. Yeah. It's a crossover. Okay, and, and there was how one, is it? What's being happening? What's going on? I've read the first two issues. Um, what's the I, deal? I mean, it's a follow-up to the end of the DC Rebirth one-shot from last year. Where they when, see Dr. Manhattan's button just right, chilling. Right, That's oh, the comedian's it's, button. Oh, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. But isn't Dr. Manhattan the one Dr. that's Manhattan, involved? He's, that, is the assu- that is the heavily assumed... I mean, they could pull some kind of switch, right. theoretically, but yeah. It's heavily assumed that... He was basically the cause of the New 52, not Flashpoint, because he tampered with the timeline. Oh my god, that is a retcon years. on a fucking retcon. Oh yeah, so, I mean, we I mean, talked about it last year, yeah. No, it, there was I mean, a point. I know, I remember um, when we did, but yeah. I'm just still thinking about, like, sometimes when you hear something again, it hits you different. Yeah. And this time when I just heard you say that, it was just like, oh my god, so they had an entire event to explain how something happened, and now yeah. they're saying, yeah, so here's something new, and that event wasn't real. But it's like, but... Anyway. Well, and the yeah, the button so far like uh, the or that event wasn't the yeah. I read the two issues. I think three are out. Yeah, yeah I picked up the third it, one. Is but, it good? Um, it, I like it. It's like it's kind of it's a cool connection to Flashpoint too because they bring in Reverse Flash in the first issue, um, and then Flashpoint Batman is coming in the third. Um, so it's sort of connecting all the threads. Between that, between Watchmen, um, I mean, Reverse, Tom King, he, Reverse Flash died and then didn't die. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's all mind. that you know. But I mean, Tom King and Joshua Williamson are my some of my favorite writers in Rebirth right now. So I mean, they're handling it well. Um, but they, is that is it the two of them? Yeah, because okay. Williamson writes Flash and Tom King. Okay, so so yeah. it's a crossover in, in in every sense. Yeah. Um, what is the deal uh, with this fascist thing? Going back to that, um, what's Jordan knows more about this? Yeah, than I do. It's just they announced it as a mini series for this summer. Okay, I mean, I, boy, they're getting a lot of mileage out of Nightwing. They were like. Yeah. Okay, so Grayson is pretty great, and it, it is pretty good. I've been reading mm-hmm. through. Actually, I haven't been reading that. Um, it's been quite good. And then, um, then they were just like, uh, okay, now he's Nightwing again, obviously. Right. And they do the whole Nightwing thing. It's you know one of the most beloved books in the new DC. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, one of the beloved yeah. books. Um, and then they were like, boy, it was really fun. We did some alternate weird shit with Nightwing last time. Why don't we do it again? Right. It seems like. Yeah. We just get a lot of mileage out of him. I mean, he's yeah. one of he's top three for me favorite superhero. So sure, I'm, sure. I'm down, but. Sure. I also don't like to see him in, in, you know, that... It's a weird trend of fascism suddenly becoming this weird pop culture... But is it ...currency weird? that it's like, this is kind of fucked up to be profiting on, on real-world yeah. shit like this, so... I mean, Nick Spencer's obviously taking a lot of heat, and I don't... I thought, you'd, a, have it's a poorly I thought thought. you'd have the other perspective of, of uh, you know, bringing it into the light is good if you're, say, anti-Trump or I mean, uh, Have you read any of... Empire. Not yet. Yeah. I mean, a big part of it is Nick Spencer's. He is a very creatives can be very. They can either oh, wow, expect or not expect. What's the word I'm looking for? And step on eggshells a little. 
you you can either on a creatively on a social media and you know they do get death threats so oh, I understand yeah. sometimes yeah. you develop a hard skin but at the same time you can understand the difference between some fans who are right I think rightfully upset with the direction of the storyline without just being very you know negative and yeah. defensive and just being like you haven't read the story you don't know blah right, blah right. blah where it's like yeah. and that's Nick Spencer's stance has pretty much been to not really give anyone any kind of apologetic tone or right, understanding right. Yeah. tone. He's just been uh, very defensive of his creative right to tell this story. Of that you however ha- much it might hurt people or, you know, sure. build I up this saying. idea of turning well, Captain America into a symbol of neo-Nazi. I'm glad to hear you say that. That's a very that's a very um, tempered statement. And I'm glad to hear you say that because it it, it definitely... I don't know. It, it, it definitely it, it definitely behooves, I think, everybody to take a more measured approach and not be as severe on any of this stuff. And when you just bat, you know, bat back, I mean, he was like, it's like he was expecting it, right? It's like I know oh, damn yeah. well that when I make Captain America a quote unquote Nazi, it's not a Nazi, you know, but a quote unquote. A lot of people are like Captain Hydra, America. Slavery, he's yeah. the so opposite. Not, I mean, all but he's, he's the absolute opposite of what everything that you loved about Captain America. I'm going to make it that. So he obviously knew he had to be really defensive, and sure. he was on his guard, and he had. His big mirror up, you know, and then like stuff started hitting the mirror, and he's just like bling, flash back at you, bling, like ultimate response. But it's interesting. I haven't been following it, but it's interesting to hear that that he has been maybe a little severe in some of that stuff. Yeah, I follow him on Twitter. He's he can be kind of um, well. He's very political too. I've seen that he is. It, it's just a matter of he has not come off the best. Uh, it's turned off a lot of people. It's turned me off the story. I don't really want to read it now because mm-hmm. he's come off as very because I. It, it is the sort of story that probably wouldn't be told by its original creators, and I can see it being disrespectful. I think it... Because uh, generally, I'm someone who says, yeah, see how the sto- whole story plays out, but it's being milked as a big, you know, cash cow thing over the course of a year now. So, and I mean, now we got a nine... What What is it, like, going to be their big event for nine It's their episodes? big su- summer Oh, it is event. right now. Yeah, it's happening right now. Okay. So, you know, I, 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 I was fascinated initially by the idea of it, and then, you know, you have to look at the real-world impact, and it is kind of a rough time to be doing it if it were if it were you know 10 years ago and this were happening and it was just a complete elseworld type story it would be very different a lot yeah. of people want captain america to be a symbol of hope right now and he's not and that is kind of shitty I so see. but with nightwing no one really gives a <laughs> no nightwing is is pretty well liked but he's not you know captain well he's america. he also doesn't he, he's also had darker sides you know captain america is the boy scout that is the point of him like nick spencer right. knew exactly what he was doing he knew exactly which character he wanted to pick and do this with you know um, it, you know, and so that's why a character like Nightwing, he's got shades and he's been shady and he's done things in the shadows and he has faked his own death and done some maybe good, maybe bad. Well, I'll find out at the end of Grayson, uh, secret agent work, you know, and maybe you know, all that kind of stuff. He's just had a lot more shades to him. Whereas Captain America is, is, you know, what is it? Uh, Captain America, is it red? Loeb's run? Is it Cap? That's white. Cap white. There you go. White. The white knight, right? Um... But, you know, it's a whole thing where I fully understand people not wanting to read it or see that in their stories, and I'm yeah. kind of turned off from it because it's a depressing world to live in, right? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that's it. Nightwing's doing a fascism story. Yeah. All right, great. More more of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's next? Um, I just pulled up. So um, Tom King and Mitch Garaz have a new Mr. Miracle series coming out this summer, um, which is a really cool interesting character to do. I mean... That's the team behind Sheriff of Babylon, which I'll get to in a little bit because I just read the first volume um, and loved it. Um, but this is their, you know, because obviously Tom King's writing Batman. Um, obviously, is, he wrote The Vision, which right. I think is the best comic of last year. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, but 
Mr. Miracle, I don't know how long he's been away from, but he's what I know him mainly from the Justice League cartoon. He's um, Eowyn Grufford what? voiced him. Really? Uh, yes. I Whoa, I just looked I it up. I just looked up. That's how oh, I know. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, okay, the cool. dude, I, the dude whose yeah. name I can't pronounce that was in our favorite show, Jordan. What was it called? Forever. Forever. Oh, God. He plays this immortal like detective. It was bad. Okay, cool. Right. But yeah, Mister Miracle. I mean, he's one of. The, um, I mean, Jack Kirby created characters. Um, sort of like the Jesus of that like universe. Like he's mm-hmm. brought, born into apocalypse, but then um, gets uh, gets over to New Genesis and grows up there. Um, and um, I was reading into it in a little bit, and Tom King said he's writing it kind of in response to, because um, he actually um, had a heart attack like a while ago and like was going through all his medical Tom stuff. Tom King, and was like, yeah, he's son, young. Yeah. yeah, he had like, um, but or um, and I'm looking, I'm looking at this. Let's see, yeah, a heart attack. Um, and so he said he. Dealt the CIA with takes a motherfucking like toll on yeah. you, man. Oh yeah, yeah. And so this is, book is like kind of like like that kind of an awakening after being gone from a while and um so i'm interested in seeing what that team does with it it seems like it'll be pretty surreal um, i mean it seems like it seems right in line with everything tom oh, yeah, doing. Yeah, so here's yeah. here's the here's the rundown right um Sheriff the vision Babylon, weird book omega uh, men omega men that was yep. the other one i was going to bring up grayson you yeah. know new take on nightwing yeah. in a very different setting sure um now this book which is very um, it, it's very, if I had to say, very similar to like the Vision and Omega yeah, Man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just unique takes on sure. franchises that were underutilized or maybe not weren't franchises at all. You know? I well, I don't even know if he's ever had his own book. I mean, I know him again from the Apocalypse, New Gods, all that. Um, but well, sure, um, sure. And even if he has, it's obviously been a while since he's been around in the DC right. universe. So right. that's the really nice thing about Rebirth is we get to see a lot of these classic characters coming back. Um, you know, like. Um, like, I mean, I really enjoyed, um, the Raven solo book and stuff like that. Um, Blue Beetle, you know, Ted Kord's back. So, um, that's what Rebirth really excelled at. And so I'm very much looking forward to this one. So it comes out sometime this summer. Isn't Um, it funny how things are cyclical? Like, I remember feeling this exact same way as the kind of conversation that we're having now about mm -hmm. Rebirth. Yeah. Um, when, when it was, I guess, um... When was the, I guess Marvel Now? When, when were we really into that? So was that Marvel Now and all the new Marvel books? Marvel Now, yeah. That was a really, I remember having a similar conversation to this, and it was Marvel's turn to like, yeah, every yeah. book was hitting, you sure, know? Sure. Every book was like by new young creators, sure. everything was switched up. Mm-hmm. And it was almost the same conversation, but on the Marvel side. So what everybody yeah. wants is that freshness. Rush, run of new, great, all, everything is great books. DC has it right now. Marvel's trying to get it, because Marvel, Marvel Legacy is their big initiative for this fall. Yeah, uh, they got to be careful what they be saying behind that. It's following... To use some very bad grammar. The Generations miniseries, their maxi-series they're doing, which will feature all the, you know, classic heroes with their legacy characters kind of teaming up, back from the dead, uh, in different interesting ways. Uh, I know in some cases, like, Miss Miss Marvel and uh, Captain Marvel are going to team up, but then Captain Marvel from when she was Miss Marvel is going to team up with the original Miss... uh, From when she was... Captain Marvel and the original Captain Marvel, so it's it's a okay. lot of cross lines. Logan and X twenty three, Peter and Miles, the resurrection stuff right now too. The X Men universe is that's been a it's huge been pretty good. Right? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, but so generations will reintroduce all this legacy to it with what it seems like without getting rid of the new characters and making a lot of team books from the sound of it. Uh, and then in turn they're going to do Marvel Legacy, which will be their next big 
publishing initiative, which they haven't had one in two years now. Interestingly, really. Legacy kind of sounds like Rebirth. It's ba- yeah. yeah. They're they're relaunching a bunch of titles. They are actually more than relaunching. They're reinstituting classic numbering in a lot cool. of ongoing. So well, that's that's interestingly counterintuitive. Counter- in that, I mean, obviously it's much like Rebirth, and that it's right. like going back to before they made changes people might not have all liked. But it's also in going back to that numbering, it's counterintuitive, um, or it's, it's it runs counter to the yeah. logic that the whole point of a relaunch is get new number ones out, right? So that people can go and jump right in. Well, even just something as similar as like with Rebirth, it started with a one shot, and then their big books were released twice a month and still are. Um, same thing happened with the new X Men universe. You know, Resurrection reboot. Um, X Men Prime was the one shot that kind of kickstarted it, and then um, X Men Blue, X Men Gold. Um, all those books are coming out twice a month too. It worked, so worked. Just twice a month's intimidating as shit to me. It, it, Even no, in I, trade form, I'm like, man, those trades are coming out awfully fast. It's a writer's, it's a, lot, it's a writer's yeah. game. That's why so many twice monthly books have alternating artists. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can't. I mean, a lot of artists can only do one one a month. Oh yeah. I've always yeah. liked. I think what Marvel or anyone should do really, because I think you can have classic numbering. What I really yeah. liked was when they did. When Amazing Spider-Man had relaunched and they were then approaching 500, they had two numbers on the cover. One where it was the current volume number, yeah. and then they would have in parentheses 498, 499. Beautiful. And then with 500, they just swept it, and it was 501, 502. But that way you could know, oh, this is very clearly the start of a run, but here's where it is in the overall. No, that's that's BTRD that's does beautiful. something like that, too, because they just launch new miniseries, but on the inside cover, it has what issue number it is in the ongoing storyline. Okay. I, so I, I think like something that. like that could mix the two and make it easier because they they also have that initiative where they were just putting like uh, starting point and they would put like a number yeah. one on any yeah. start of a storyline. Yeah. But that was like every six months it was like oh yeah. well it's a new number one but it's not. So I remember that I actually always liked that when I would see that I'd be like oh cool. But even still it didn't really matter. I would still usually try to find like the beginning of the bigger arc. Yeah. You know? yeah. So just have like a run number. Let us be like, here's this creative team. Do something yeah. like that. That'd be and, cool. and also like, how about some like creative teams like having some more longevity lately, guys? Come on now. Dan Slott's got a death grip on Spider-Man. <laughs> that, that's, that's, yeah. That, that's true. And in that case, that's like, I'm talking about some middle ground, man. It's been six years. I'm talking about some middle ground. He's the one that. extreme. I can't believe that. I can though when you tell me what the numbers are on that book. Yeah, I mean, it's the top selling comic. One of them, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Although it's really interesting, we're, we're kind of getting a little off to- news it's all right. topic. It's alright. We're having fun. We haven't talked comics in a long time. No, we've been true. I've been on um, commission. I was listening to Eleven O'clock Comics, which mm-hmm. is a great comics mm-hmm. podcast, and they were uh, Nick Dragota, Dr- Nick, Nick yeah. Dragota, oh, who does yeah, yeah, East um, of West. Yes. Um, that's who the artist. It's just is funny right. books, man. Just funny yeah, books. And it's really interesting hearing him talk because you know when you work, it, it's it's interesting hearing how much more profitable it really is. To work on your own independently owned image book because he was talking about you know he would get yeah paid. when you have Hickman well sure but, but what I'm saying no is... no even then because East of West sells twenty thousand a month and you know we were talking to Jeremy Hahn last year about how that's kind of the threshold where you right. want to be they make the two of them together make a dollar on each book sold so you know so they're, they're getting fifty a cents a book so he's you know twenty thousand books that's ten thousand dollars an issue. That's, that's pretty great. But you're not getting that working on books that sell way more at Marvel and DC. Because I remember, you know, I think Scott Snyder said he was making $3,600 on each Batman script at one point. So that's a way How less much? amount of money. 3600 Snyder was. On each yeah. Batman script. And that's Batman. That's no, no, that's, no, that's, that's, right. that's Bendis and Snyder level. That's top tier, big two. Right. Uh, and granted, writers can write a lot more. So for artists, it makes way more sense to make the jump. And, yeah. you know, the Kirk, it's been almost a decade since the Kirkman Manifesto where he, you know, right. said, quit 
working at the uh, yeah. Big Two and make your own books. I remember that. Um, John Suntress uh, had him on and talked about that a couple different times on another great uh, podcast, Word Balloon. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's it's very true. It was it was very controversial at the time, obviously with Marvel and DC especially. Yeah. It didn't really happen though, because here's the thing, and 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 you can say that you know even still it only sells twenty thousand copies, but people like um, uh, is it what is it Ivan Brandon? Is that his name? Yeah. Um, that dude, like you better believe that Drifter ain't selling no twenty thousand copies. Why am I in bad bad grammar mode today? Anyway, <laughs> but you Sorry. you 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 better believe that Drifter is not selling a lot of copies like that, and. <laughs> That's because Ivan Brandon. Okay, yeah, he did some of the Final Crisis run, well, but sure, nobody knows who Ivan gamble. Brandon is. No, no, it's not so much that it's more of a gamble. It's that if you want to be consistently making that kind of money past issue one of your image book, because all the issue ones sell pretty well. Well, I mean, then you're not even counting trades and the sales from that. Right, so. that's another factor. But I'm just saying it's it's very tough with all the image books that are out there right now. If you're not also working for Marvel for the name recognition or DC, yeah, but as an artist, that's how they, That's the problem. What do you mean? Artists can do one book a month if they're lucky. So I, mean, I see. They can't do books. some of them. Some are faster than do two. Some, but, but it's max a rare, two. It's a rare max group. two. And then there's some like the dude on non-player Nate Simpson. I think his name. Um, that motherfucker took a year and a half to do an issue, and then three years to do the next one. <laughs> Wow. It's Has really detailed art. No way. That dude is never making a third issue. He was at a con with issue two, and I just like looked at him and marked the moment. I was like, I will never see this ever happen again. Because the dude just takes forever to do his work. And it's brilliant work, but yeah. I mean, when it's that non-prolific, well, you know, anyway. It's, that's just not his priority. That's fine. I don't think... Anyway, all right. Um, but yeah, what were we, what was the, J- <laughs> Legacy. Yeah. So they're going to try their rebirth. Yeah. They aren't going to call sure. it that, but it, it's pretty clearly pretty them just, yeah. you know, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, I think they yeah. improved on the new 52 when they did Marvel Now by, right. by shuffling all the creative teams, but not rebooting. Sure, sure. So we'll see what they do with that. Uh, was there any other big news? Not really. We just, um, there's no. a new Vader comic coming out pretty soon. That's, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty, I mean, there's the new Star Wars crossovers came out this week. Um, oh yeah, the Screaming Citadel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get it? No, I, no. I'll read that in trade. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, I, I have something I'll share later in the show that is related to single issues and why I might already be quitting them again. <laughs> but we'll oh, we'll really? get to that. Oh, that'll yeah. be fun. Wait, what? what um, why? Oh, got it. I get it. I get it. Okay, anyway. cool. Um, so let's talk about what we've been uh, doing, and I think a good thing to do first. And I, I don't know. I don't think it's what we discussed earlier, but I would like to maybe talk about Guardians first. Sure. Huh. Are you guys down for that? That's fine. Because I think if people are checking out the podcast and they don't get as far as hearing all of our books, at least they'll hear about some Guardians. Sure. Um, Because people are about some Guardians, as evidenced by, did it make a billion? I think it made a billion. I don't know if it's made a billion yet. No, it was... Oh, no, it's first week. No, no, sorry, I wasn't wasn't thinking. No, um, did it it break um, the record? I think it was like second or third for the year or something like that. that. Anyway. It just opened in Japan this weekend, so... Okay. All right. Well, anyway, it's doing really well. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, it's really an interesting movie to talk about. It's really an interesting yeah. movie in general. Uh, I haven't gotten to talk to you guys that much about it. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think? I enjoyed it. I th- I mean, uh, for those who have listened to this, like, Guardians is my top two or three MCU movies. Um, I also, I like pretty much all of James Gunn's work for the most part. Um, and um, the first one, uh, the, what I came out of the second one saying was, like, the first one, I like the overall tone and execution better, like the soundtrack, the cinematography, the effects, all those things, um, the stylistic elements better. But I found the plot of the second one a little more interesting because the first one's pretty much just, you know, the team coming together and the craziness and all that. This one, I really did enjoy what they did with Ego, uh, the Star-Lord's father, and 
Um, even though it's pretty predictable that he's going to be the bad guy, um, just um, his whole plot at the end was pretty interesting, I thought, and then I liked what they do with Yondo. Um, yeah. So it, I had a lot of fun with it. Well, I will say one thing that definitely speaks to that difference you're talking about mm-hmm. between Volume 1 and 2 is the expansiveness of Volume 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This mm-hmm. felt very contained yeah, to it did, me. Yeah, It felt like I, I once we were already into like the, the sort of final battle. Right. I didn't even. I was like, "Wow, we're already well, the at the team, final battle," and the, that's a sign of a good movie because sure. it's still an over two hour movie, and it went real fast for sure, me. Sure. Like it mm-hmm. flew by. Sure. At the same time, I was like, "I know the teams are ready together and all that," but but it's just they still well, they, the, they gathered new members. Sorry, what? I was saying the team isn't together much, and it's, it's pretty much like an empire type thing where they're separated throughout the movie most part, and then it's very much more focused on Star Lord. Yeah, you know, like, it is contained in that. Oh, I just like, think it's contained um, in that, in that it's, there's just not a lot of, it's very low, it's very, not a lot of locations, not a lot of traveling yeah, around. I mean, the there's no one, jailbreaks right. and different planets. And right. There's, there's four locations. I mean, okay. There's, actually, I mean, five-ish. Right. I mean, they go to the Sovereign Home World, they go to the planet they crash on they right. go to the ship, which is a ship, so I mean, it's a little less. Right. They go to that planet Yondo and the boys were, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they were there for oh, so two minutes on that planet, three minutes in the Sovereign Home World. Those were like blips. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just feel like the most of the movie was on basically that planet. On ego, yeah. Right, ego. Yeah, yeah. And then on a spaceship hovering around ego. You yeah, that's literally. Well, they weren't at ego, but okay. Yeah, just bouncing around on a spaceship. Right, right. This is not a criticism. This is just to say that no, structurally, it it's a drastically different movie in my mind. I felt different I, no, as I, I watched it. It felt dramatically different. It certainly couldn't have been the first movie in any sure, series. Sure, Like they say, it's the Empire or whatever. I mean, certainly. I mean, if you put this movie up, you'd be like, "What? What's what? With what? Yeah. You know? And and it's there's definitely a t- anyway. There's a lot. That, there's a lot that I will not say unpack because I don't dig that. But um, there's a lot to discuss in sure. the movie. But I definitely think as a, as an overall, when you look at at it it's very um self-contained on sort sure. of ego and then some like you mentioned some 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 little vignettes elsewhere sure yeah no i agree i mean like um and that was interesting shifting kind of the focus you know from um the team dynamics so the first one to more star lord and then with the other team members it's more you know you've got gamora was there with them but then rocket and Groot are just trying to escape the ship and um hanging out with their ravagers and all that um oh and Jax was with star lord and gamora too um, but yeah, I mean, I liked the new characters too. Mantis was cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And what they did with Nebula too, like the, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's true. That was a big portion of the plot too. Was the whole yeah. Nebula and Gamora thing and their sure. relationship and and the sisters coming to like find a way to appreciate one sure. another and be able to stand each other's company. Sure. And that 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 you know journey and it is it's very compelling. There's a lot of stories about families yeah. in this mm-hmm. one. There's yeah. that there's that story about what Thanos did to. Um, Nebula and and how it was kind of Gamora's fault unwittingly, uh-huh. um, and 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 when you get when you get the reveal about like what Ego did to what's his name's um, to Peter's uh, mother, yeah, yeah, that was mm-hmm. fucking brutal. I yeah. I don't know the logistics of how that would have happened, but yeah, it's still interesting. He I mean, he is just work. magic energy, right? So I guess he could make a tumor. I, I right. don't know, but. I anyway. thought it was a much more interesting route than, you know, in the comics, his dad is pretty much just a jerk. Politician. See, I, I kind of love that. Yeah. I kind of dig that. I love the idea of 
Peter Quill because he's such a, like a gallant rogue. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of like his dad is 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 the rogue without the gallant part. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of like that idea. And oh, I like. I mean, it it's more cliched book. though. Sure. And, and so this idea with the ego thing, it's very, very, very different. Right. And that was the big thing for me as I was taken completely by surprise at what this movie was going to be. Partly because I didn't do a lot of the reading I normally do about all these movies mm-hmm. before I sure. go in. I was I didn't want to know well really done, any of it. And he didn't did tell us a lot no, either. He did a good job of like keeping it. I mean. Gave little teases in the trailer, but they were pretty, you know. Well, everybody so. wanted to know, what the heck? How yeah. is Ego the living planet yeah. him? How does that work? Right. So the movie almost was an explanation of how that works. Yeah. We couldn't answer that. Yeah. What do you think, Jordan? We haven't heard much from you. What are your thoughts on the movie? Um, they're mixed. I enjoyed it overall. It's fun. Um, I liked what they teased and what they set up, and I liked some of the arcs, but... I, a lot of it comes down to, I... And this is where I put a little bit of the fanboy hat on, and I feel bad about that every time. But I don't like a lot of the characterizations of this, the characters that I liked already. Ah. And you know, this happens when you like a very small, unknown franchise, and then it gets completely reworked in a movie. Sure, sure. You're gonna come to a point where you're like, "Eh." and that's that. It's obviously bled back into the comics, so it's like the book I like doesn't really exist anymore. Sure. Uh, So I feel a little jaded against it, but I still enjoy the first one a lot, and we'll watch it. Um, I feel like, problematically, I think the movie's very weirdly paced. It is, there isn't uh, because... Especially in the middle, where it's like, six emotional revelation scenes all in a yeah. row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is very much like, by the time, I, I, I've been saying it this way, but by the time fucking Sean Gunn's character Craglin was getting his emotional revelatory <laughs> scene, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> Not that they shouldn't get those moments, but there was no action or anything in between, it was just like heartfelt speech after heartfelt speech. My friend is Sean Gunn, um... James's brother. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he puts him in most of his movies. But is and he, he was guy, good. Don't is he, yeah, yeah, is yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Uh, is he, um... The one that, um... Is he the guy that gets the fin at the end? Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Right. He's good. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I like... I was surprised to see his character get expanded so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he yeah, drives cool. the whole thing. And then, also, James Gunn has in interviews said, you know, about those after credit scenes, that every one of them is a direction he'd like to take the movie in, in the future. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, to think that he might actually make that character that big of a deal? I mean, like, he already like, kind of has. I mean, no, but 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 the new Yondo? I mean, well, like, I mean going yeah, forward? Well, yeah, dead. So, no, but yeah, that yeah. he would even exist instead of yeah. just not have him. Right, That's right. what I meant. Sure, sure. He's basically on the team by the end of right, it. Right, so. right. Um, but yeah, so I found, I liked the emotional parts. It's just that they were so back-to-back, it was hard to be as invested in each individual one in a way that it might if it was a little more focused. Especially when, as far as the big, big arcs of the movie, it mm. mainly focused on Peter... And his dad. Sure. Um, and Yondu, who's his other dad. Sure. Um, although that funnily, was really well done. I, yes, really well I enjoyed done. that a lot. It is apparently a line that does not play well elsewhere in the South, when he's like, he may have been your father, but I was, but I, he dad. wasn't your daddy. Yeah. That line apparently is a crack up across the country, but it is apparently oh, very really? Southern to be okay with that. I guess because Yondu is a fairly Southernish character. Yeah, Why is yeah. that? Wait, I don't get it. Uh, it's just people find it to be a very ridiculous line that actually got put into a movie. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, did, it did sound a little silly when I heard it, but it wasn't bad. I mean, just the simple fact that... The simple fact that, that, that you get to see those two characters so much... I mean, now it's a little bit of a shift. It's a little bit of a dramatic shift for Yondo. Now I, I get it that he did... You know, he kind of made the shift in the last movie, not turning... Not, not 
not, you know, he got screwed out of his whole mission for that whole movie, and he kind of, like, you know, went soft and was just like, he's my son. I get that he made that decision, so the shift had already been happening, or maybe it was always there in the first place, we just didn't know it, when you get the reveal of why he took Peter on in the first place, and maybe it was to protect him, and not really for the selfish reasons he purported, etc., etc., but at the same time, again, a lot of these... Marvel movies, I'm ex- I'm seeing a lot of like quick turnarounds that I yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. love. Like I don't love to watch a character like Yondo or Nebula that's so hard yeah. and so hardcore, flip on a dime a, so fast. Same thing with um, what's his name in in um, Doctor Strange. What's his name? Baron Mordo. Baron Mordo, right? Yeah. I don't know. I I think it's a degree. I guess I I think it's just. I think there's so shifts. much softer. If by the end, yeah. when he's all like, "I'm your daddy." Like, that is just, like, yeah, so drastically different from Yondo's characterization. I don't really think so. I mean, okay. I think that's his character in the first movie. He's he's very He's violent, playful. dude. He tears dudes to shreds one after another after another mercilessly. Yeah, that doesn't mean he doesn't love his son. All right. All that's right. like, I mean, they're separate things. You can be a kid. Well, this is a weird conversation. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't think... I mean, again, I think that was the end of the movie. He was just like, Star-Lord pulled one over on him, and he was kind of proud of it. Yeah. I don't think it's like a drastic no, no. character. No, I no, he's... I don't. I don't either. That's not what I'm talking about. That one was fine. I was cool with that. He let that go. Maybe he was pissed about it, but he just let it slide. I'm talking about in this movie how different his character was from the first movie, and I think it was just a little bit. I felt it was a little dramatic. That's my take. Yeah, that's fine. I I, I think they're the same character. Okay. Um, and I think with Nebula, I don't think she softens. I think she's kind of the same character too. She just she she's not even really a team member. She's still pretty much standoffish and right. Uh, anti, not anti Gamora as much, but just very much like a loner, rude character. So yeah. I, I don't think there were huge shifts, okay. not to the Baron Mordo level. Although again, I was fine with that, so I don't. I thought you said you were coming around on that one. No, I think it's a fine one. In okay. fact, honestly, having seen the movie more times, I think it's definitely there. Okay. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't really like the way they kind of they really really made Mantis just kind of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a a huge cast, hard to service everybody. Yeah, yeah, but they basically just made her another slave girl, like the fucking collector had in the first movie. So it's another really weak female character. Um, They make her pretty dumb and the butt of a lot of jokes, which is a shame because in the comic she's a badass psychic warrior, and I really like that. Well, what I so so I I I hear that from the perspective of the character maybe misused, but the gender thing I don't get, considering that the movie is full of strong females. Um. I mean, I'm not saying it's not full of strong females, but also both of the movies have had really, like, slavish, dominated, you know, weak... But is it... But having, is it that... a, having one strong female character does not make it okay to then have, every, you know, a bunch no, of other weak not, female not characters. Not at all. My take is just that if you had just weak female characters, like a lot of movies do, that that's extremely problematic because it shows you that the director or the filmmaker sees women in a subservient I'm role. I'm not saying James Whereas Gunn in does, this one, but it is I a see that as trope of, of okay. subservient isn't, slave women. Isn't, isn't the idea, though, just like they're in space and there are certain planets where women get treated really poorly, just that's just a horrible reality of their world? That's just the excuse of saying it exists because I say it exists and there is a sexist planet. I mean, that's... That's like saying, ah, it's I'm not sexist because I created a world that just happens to be sexist. That's like, uh, okay, that isn't what I was saying at all. But anyway, I I, I hear you. I just it just seems like a, a, an odd complaint about a character that is subjugated and female when there's like it happens to be a movie with Gamora and Nebula in it. You know what I mean? It, that's just why it struck me as odd. Yeah. I mean, again, like I would say, again, I think the female they are characters so strong you know? aren't the best served in terms of plot and. 
I mean, I don't even think anyone then, is. I'm not saying then, it's yeah. just a female thing, because yeah. I don't think Drax or Groot or Rocket really get deep, yeah, big yeah. arcs. Drax I had a lot of fun. Yeah, they, they, they really did arcs, lose. But Drax was good comedic relief, though. Um, they did really lose a lot of, yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, it was surprising how little, like, Rocket especially. He was so underserved. Yeah, You're yeah, so yeah. right. You're yeah. so right. And then, and then the whole, and like, they tried to give him... Go ahead. Oh, no, it's hard when they have the dynamic of them split up, and they're you know, so focused on the Star-Lord and, and EO plotline, but they still, I, I was expecting a little more there. Um, and then Baby Groot is just, you know, doing his Really cute, thing, um, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, exactly, and that was, that's Hello. fine. And, and, and you can... I, I didn't entirely mind Baby Groot. I thought it was a little, a little too cutesy at times. Yeah, I definitely yeah. think they did too much with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm glad they just but put a fun, bullet yeah. in the head of that and it's like, no, he's not going to be Baby Groot. <laughs> right, right, no, it was good for one movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that was my favorite Groot joke, honestly, in the movie. Was it was when he's the Groot. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, let's see. Yeah, and the villains were very weak and, and it was pretty obvious Ego was going to be a huge douche because Aisha and especially Taserface were just there. Mm-hmm. Taserface got killed so quickly. <laughs> Wait, so Aisha is the sovereign woman? Yes. Okay, who's Taserface? I he's, forget. He's, oh, the, remember he's the, the the one who leads the revolt against Yon. The Ravagers, like the the bearded dude that's like that's Rocket um, makes. Fun oh, of that guy. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Okay, that's right. That yeah, he was. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, that is actually his name. Okay, the, yeah, that guy that gets taken out pretty quickly. I remember that. Um, and we get a little Stallone cameo. What do you think yeah. about this Stallone <laughs> action and this Ravagers thing? James Gunn said he'd like to see it, and actually, those characters have been cast. Like they're legit actors in those roles. Yeah, like the diamond dude. Like that's like a legit, isn't Michael it? Michael Rosenbaum. Is it really him? Oh wow! Uh, From freaking yeah. Michael Rosenbaum, yeah. Michelle Yeoh. Uh, I mean, like big yeah, names. Miley Cyrus was the voice of mainframe. That's crazy. Uh, right, now are these Ving Rhames, char- right? Was yes, that yes. Yeah, that was are these characters that you know from going back in the comics? Not super well, but they are the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. So they are. The they're not from that run team. though. That. You remember? No, the only one, the only original Guardians member that showed up in the Abnett Landing run was Vance Astro, who was not in this team. Why didn't they rock with? Uh, why isn't Richard Rider like rocking it? Shouldn't he be in? Like, they did something different with the Nova Corps again. I see. Again, this is the more fanboy side of thing, but but James Gunn and I think it's fine. He's telling a completely different story. It's just he's made it where he's taking the elements of those comics and doing them in different ways. Right. right. I see. Well, I will tell you this, and this is just a little side note about Guardians. You've got to be really talented to do what James Gunn has done in those movies. Now I haven't yeah. played a lot of it, but I watched some like some let's plays of people playing the new Guardians Telltale video game. Um with like not the amazing caliber of actors playing so it's the same archetypes. Rocket's yeah. still the Rocket in the right, movies. Right. Peter Quill's the same Peter Quill. Gamora's pretty okay in this. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, like the Peter Quill when it's not that actor and that director, it is so much less effective. Yeah, yeah. It is so weak. And he's just like, hey, man, and he's doing his little dance in bad animation, and I'm like, oh, I can't watch. Right, right. So it just shows you, though, I mean, they're, they're a decently talented team that does a lot of phenomenal games. Sure. Walking Dead was your game of the year one year. And, I mean, and, and, a lot, and a lot of people's that year. I think it had, like, over 70 game of the year awards. They know how to do story. They know how to do characters. But that is the balancing act. Thus is the balancing act that James Gunn pulls off so effectively. I just think it's a really interesting contrast. And I'm not saying I wouldn't play it and enjoy it, but right. it is such a pale image. No, it's one of those things where you just have a really great relationship between cast and director. Because I was reading an interview with Michael Rooker the other day, and he said, like, before he met James Gunn, he really wasn't a, a sci-fi um, name at all. Like, he was mainly doing 
forget some of the movies he was doing, but they're more like dramas and yeah. stuff. And then he became more of a character actor by being cast in Guns films, and he did, they just really worked well together. And that's how he kind of just took off as a sci-fi icon after that. I wonder how much of this movie was dictated by like. Like feeling out volume one on James Gunn's part and organically feeling like where he thought the plot should go, or how much of this is kind of like already in his head before he ever started. Well, originally this. he thought he was going to set it um, years later after the first one, and then as he started writing it, he decided it would be more effective to go back and set it really in in the direct aftermath of the first one because you really the timeline it really takes place just like a few weeks after yeah um, the end of the first one. So they've just yeah. been running missions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Overall, I think it is highly entertaining. Uh, it is fun. I do sure was uh, kind of going with with yeah. Kevin though. I feel like the music wasn't as strong. It was no. They, right, they that, repeated the song. well. The first one was so iconic. It was yeah, just, but, it but it, that. But yeah, they. I know they repeated the one song, and I yeah, can't yeah, remember yeah. which one. Which yeah. is kind of like, yeah, yeah. There are more songs. <laughs> Come on. Oh yeah. Um. Although I guess I guess they're, they're and I know he has an encyclopedic knowledge of pop music. So, yeah. yeah. They gave him a zoom though, though that was pretty nice. That was yeah, really yeah, yeah. funny. That was cool. That is the for people that don't know, um, that don't get that joke. It was uh, the incredibly huge failure Microsoft um, iPad clone, iPod clone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember there was a time when I was almost going to get one. Like it was a big deal for like three months, <laughs> and then it bombed hard. But I love that they picked a zoom. It's just the kind of thing James Gunn would throw in there. One yeah. huge props I got to throw is at Drax in this movie. I was not a Drax fan in movie one. I know you were. I was not at all. I just thought it was like that that fake laugh of ha 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 ha. No, I get that's the character and he, you know, all that. But for some reason it just rang cold for Mm -hmm. me in the first movie. And every time Drax was on the screen, it was my my least favorite part of that otherwise Mm -hmm. phenomenal movie. In this one, I totally warmed up to him. And it could have been my mood. You know, moods are important in watching movies, and it could have just been, I like the material this time better, but I yeah. love Drax this time. So oh, that scene where he's, I mean, I know it's in the trailer, but where he said, you just need to find someone that's pathetic. And yes, you yes. Like it. <laughs> it's great. It's oh, really, yeah. it's really great. Oh, and one more quick, now, at the very beginning, they did an amazing job de-aging Kurt Russell in that opening scene. Oh, yeah. I was like, dang, that, and I, I looked that's... at how they did it, because like, especially after seeing the awful CG of like young Tarkin and... Yeah. Uh, like oh, it's so one. bad. Like, it's so like, bad. Like, this was, I was like, wow, they nailed it there. He looks yeah. just well, like... It's a much briefer. I think yeah, Tarkin would have worked in a briefer yeah, I know, scene. Yeah, I know, But still, um, it was just, that was really Well, good. also, though, it doesn't look, I mean, it's very different because, I mean, I don't, I didn't see... That's a full, yeah, of a But they did a performance yeah. in that one and then they just changed it. Whereas with the dead actor trying to do it, yeah. it's fully digitized and that's where the Uncanny Valley came in for me. Right, This right. one didn't look like... <laughs> I mean, I literally thought, wait, does Tarkin have, like... Uh, 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 an LED head, yeah, you know, right. like like is that an LED screen head? Yeah, That's right. literally what it looked like to me. Um, yeah. It was that bad. I think they're getting a little drunk with power on that. They really go into that well a lot in the de aging because this is the third yeah. time. Oh, what what, what uh, Downey? They did Downey. They did uh, Michael Douglas. Right and, in uh, Ant Man. Ant Man. Right. So yeah. when's Ant Man and Wasp? Next year, actually. Is it next year? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. next year. Cool. I'll tell you what I'm really pumped for, because only because it's coming soon, and because I can't wait to hear what you guys think of it. Wonder Woman. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's coming. It's um, coming. Soon. I guess the, the last Guardians thing would yeah. be, I'm excited for Adam Warlock, because yeah, that's be another big character that they teased, obviously. So. Where was that? Yeah, what was the... It was Aisha's creation. It was like... Oh, right, 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 right. Characters. I'll call him Adam, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um... So that's cool. Is that all? What were they? There was the the old team Gosh, getting back five. together. Some team Groot, Adam Warlock, uh, the, the Finn. 
Yeah. And then what was the very... Oh, oh, right. The Watchers. The Watchers were in this. That was pretty cool. Oh, oh with, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, And then also, family. supposedly, yeah. this is, like, the explanation for all of his other appearances, someone said somewhere. I saw something about that. Yeah, it was like... I mean, it's a long rumor that he was a Watcher, so this seems like a nod <laughs> to that. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. It was fun seeing the Watchers. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's cool. That is really cool. So overall, would, though, I mean, where does it... How does it stack up? You know, Do you have to see it more times? Or no, what? I mean, right now, there's 15 I, yeah, films. That's the thing. It's so hard to rank, like, right now, but... And not nearly as high as the first one, but still, uh, um, if it's, I had to do a number right now, seven, eight, maybe, yeah. like that. Yeah. Put it, okay, uh, for me, it. yeah, there's 15 films now. Yeah, so it's hard to uh, I'd probably put it around mid-level. Like yeah. Hulk yeah. level? Probably eight. No, Hulk slower. Okay. Um, I'd probably put it about where Captain America 1 and Thor 1 are. Kind of right in that level. Third Probably above so Doctor lower, Strange, but below wow. things like, you know, my top five or six favorites. Right. Which there are a lot of at this point. Yeah. Above Age of Ultron. Yeah. Right. right. Interesting. Interesting. So for me, I would say, uh, I you know, like you guys said, it's very hard to rank at this point. Um, I I just, I, I almost can want to just, oh, another thing I didn't point out. I saw it in 3D. Oh, you did. Which I never do. Yeah. Um, but the only uh, showing that was available was 3D gotcha. at the time we were going, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was like, all right, we'll go see it in 3D. And the person I went with, Melissa, she was blown away. The next day at work, she's writing on her uh, on our instant messenger. That movie was incredible. It was so great. Uh-huh. And one of the big driving factors for her, aside from um, Chris Pratt's abs, of course, which was gratuitous as shit. Aside from that, and man, man, has he gotten ripped, right? Marvel six pack, right? Boy, did he get a Marvel six pack. Aside from that, she was just like um, the the three D is the best three D she's ever seen in any movie. Was her was her take on it? And it really is the kind of movie that really accentuates that because stuff's flying at your face, and mm-hmm. you know, a big tentacle swings out. I mean, it's kind of made for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely a good experience in three D. I'm never the biggest fan of three D anymore in anything. Um, but it definitely was. If you're going to see a movie in three D, this is, this is you could do worse. Right. New Nintendo two DS. Yeah, yeah, there's a phase new Nintendo. that right out. We'll have to talk about that at some point, but it is really interesting. Um, wait, phase it right out? Uh-huh. Oh, the 3D element. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. So now, yeah, exactly. So now there's, not only is there a 2DS that's 80 bucks, this is just a quick video game aside, that's like a little, they call it the doorstop, it's 80 bucks, and comes with Mario Kart, and you could wedge your door with it or play it, it won't break if you stepped all over it. And then, now they've come, and then they, of course, had the expensive one, which was the 3DS, new 3DS um, XL and it was a like two hundred bucks. So now they have that same one, the new three D X XL, except boop, they take the three D out, and charge fifty dollars less. But it comes with a charger, so um, it's almost like you know the three D is pretty freaking superfluous at this point. So. Nobody uses it. No, it's uh, everybody's rocker is down at the bottom. I, it was I'll tell you what, that was a big system seller for me when it first came out. I was like, I gotta see that three D screen. They made a few games that actually used it. So Mario, but. right? All right. Anyway, side note aside, I, I thought it was a great movie. Yeah, um, it was I, definitely I really fun. It. Yeah, usually enjoyable. I think. I mean, I always hope this. I, I think it'll probably. I mean, just anticipating the other comic book movies that are coming out this year, it'll probably be right in the middle of the pack. Are you pumped? So, Wonder Woman Blow, you're expecting? I, I don't know, but between that, Homecoming, and Ragnarok, I think all three of those have potential to be better or worse. Um, True. So. Uh, and I think Guardians is very middle of the road, and Logan was obviously yeah, Logan, a freaking right masterpiece, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, absolutely, um, that movie is so good. Have you seen it more than I once saw it yet? Twice, no, yeah. I saw it twice. Okay, yeah. very heavy did you film. go to Did you go to the uh, black and white? No, I want to. Did you hear yeah, about that? that? That sounds amazing. The th- the, because you and I went to the eight millimeter road show for Hateful Eight. 
And that oh, was yeah, yeah, yeah. sick. That was, yeah, that was, that was sick. Great. Yeah. I walked right in, and you guys had a seat right in the front row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The snow was starting to fall, yes. and I was there, man. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah. All right, um, Guardians in the in the yep. history books, but we'll we'll check it out again when uh, sure. the Blu-ray comes out, right? Yeah. Sure. And they've confirmed Volume Three. So have they confirmed it? He has. Yeah. So wow, he's coming yeah. back. Cool. Uh, he, good for him. Good for him. He's got his franchise. He's built it the way he wanted yep. to build it with his Legos, and yeah, you know, let let the let the let the cards fall where they may. Yep. Okay. Um. So let's talk about what else we've been enjoying lately. Yeah. Um. So I don't have a ton of books to talk about. So why don't we start with uh, you, Kevin? Okay. Well, I've been out of commission for a few weeks, so I've had a lot of. However, in weeks. commission when it comes to reading comics. Yes. No? Eh, oh, absolutely. So. Okay. Yeah. I quick. I had a broken leg, so I was in the hospital, and then. Got home, and so once since I've been home, I've been reading a lot. Um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, got to read the first volume of Sheriff of Babylon and loved it. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's because Tom King was a CIA operations officer in Iraq. He brings a lot of personal experience to this book, and um, it's basically about this guy who's um, an American officer out there um, training Iraqi police in the wake of the 2004 invasion. Um, but what it's, it's just, it, like Persepolis and some of those other very literary graphic novels, um, that are studied in schools, this one should be, because it gives such a really multifaceted perspective on the Iraqi war and, um, the invasion, I mean, the American perspective, the Iraqi perspective, um, just so many different elements and, um, the characters are just very grounded. Um, the art is phenomenal. That's I, why I'm so excited about Mr. Miracle. I read the first issue um, so far, yeah. and I was blown away by... There's a very early scene that's just really impactful yeah. where he is sort of doing... Um, there's one with a bomb vest on, right. and, and he is doing sort of trying to talk her down and, right. and, and connect with her you know, right. across cultures. Right, right. And and then something very traumatic happens, and that book starts out with a bang, yeah, to say the least. Sure, it's 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 it's, it's intense. No, it really, and I mean, it it's, really it's kind of like anything. Logan. Yeah, <laughs> it's it really doesn't hold anything back. I mean, and it really does a good job of looking at you know there are horrible things Americans have done, Iraqis have done. Like, I mean, there's just so many angles that um, it looks at, and so. Um, but he really does a good job with that um, protagonist and um, also the main Iraqi protagonist, too. Um, so, it's yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting volume two as well. But um, Isn't it one called, like, Bang, 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 and the other one's called, like, yeah. Duck, Duck, Duck <laughs> so, or something? Yeah, no, I, well, so it was something because I was at the hospital when my grandmother um, was stopping by Barnes & Noble and asked if I want anything. I was like, yeah, can you? And I wasn't even sure volume two was out at that point. And so I was like, can you just pick up this graphic novel called Sheriff of Babylon? Um, like you should be, if you just ask, you know, the guys in the comic section there, uh, you should be able to find it. And then she calls my mom and he's like, does he want the bang, bang, bang or the pow, pow, pow? And my mom was <laughs> laughing like, uh, I was like, what in the world are you reading? Like, oh, that's nice. But, um, so I read that. I read volume two of Superman, which is still great. Is that's it really good. that great? Yeah. It's a very good volume. It really A lot is. of great stories in there. What I, we were, Jordan and I were talking about it last week and what's really cool about the, um, something you don't see as much in... Superhero comics, art. Yeah, or just really comics in general is more is like more short stories in there. There's really that that volume has about seven issues, I want to say, and there are like three or four arcs in it. There's well, the first three two parters and a one two parters and a one shot. It's a fantastic one off that's just Superman's day off. Yeah, yeah. and it's got a beautiful opening of him sitting overlooking the city. Yeah. Um, it's really really good stuff. Yeah, Frankenstein's in it. Robin and Batman. Um, island full of dinosaurs. Yes, Freaking. but that's the thing. All those things I didn't know. Like I mean, it has on the cover, um, you know, the meeting between Damian Wayne and 
um, John Kent, uh, or well, John Smith is technically his name, you know, but which also um, sets up their spinoff, <laughs> right? Which uh, Super Sons is their their book right now. Um, so you think it's just going to be about that, you know, because they tease it at the end of the first book, but um, it's actually yeah, like Jared said, there's several arcs in there. It's it's just a lot of fun. There's a it's just a really great creative team. Um, Tomasi and Gleason do a great job writing. Um, Doug Mank is it Mankey or Monk? Mankey, I, I, Mankey. I believe. He's one of my favorite artists, like, in DC, definitely, so I always love anything he does. I mean, he did a great job on Jeff Johns' Green Lantern, and um, so he re- I really love his style, and it works great here. Um, so I love that one. Um, what else have I been Let's see, on the Marvel front, um, been reading the new X-Men ones. I really like X-Men Blue a lot. Um, X-Men Gold, I read the first issue. I haven't read the second yet, but I have it. Um, but Blue, I really like. It's, it's the original... Uh, five x-men cyclops the time torn right yeah angel beast um and um gene time displaced to um this present where they don't really know what's going on and um magneto is like trying to be friends with them and um but they're still teenagers and so it's a really interesting dynamic i like colin bunn storytelling a lot with that um, obviously, he's an X Men veteran, so he handles. Blue and gold have well. been good so far. Yeah. Weapon X has been surprisingly entertaining. That's what I heard too. Yeah, like I, Chris from the comic shop really likes it. And then um, I'd really like to pick up Jean Grey, which is Dennis yes, Hopeless's just, book. Yep. Just oh, finally we have. That's what it is. That's what he's been yep. yeah, writing. He's, oh, he's thank God. Yeah. Writing Jean Grey's ongoing. Yes. Thank God he's got a book. <laughs> when that the day that dude doesn't have a book, and I thought that day was now, I was mm-hmm. really in despair. Yeah. Because I love Hopeless, and like he's always like. I picture him like if the if the industry is like is like a parachute. Mm-hmm. I picture him like hanging on by like one fist, one like 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 punk rock grip, I just, ripped fist. See, I just, just imagine it with his H monogrammed hand towels. <laughs> this dude told us the best story ever. Yeah. Um. It, what what was it? Was his it? he and his wife got married and they mm-hmm. wanted a new last name. Uh-huh. And I forget what his original last name is, but something uh-huh. with an H because they got some monogram towels. Okay. And their parents, their, their parents gave them, you know, that and they were like, wow, okay, go ahead. And basically it was like, well, we need an H name now. So they went with Hopeless. That's but to funny. imagine that I was having a, I was I was on a on a diatribe at, at Jordan's one day I was just like hopeless. You sit down to write your name and I know they wanted to make it punk rock. I get that. They're punk rock and they grew up that way, they got tattoos, they're all about it. But hopeless? Yeah. How about anything but that? Yeah. Hopeless? That's it's just funny. I mean, did, did anybody stop to think what that means? Yeah. It means without hope. It means sad and Dennis desperate and desperate. Hellraiser. Yeah. Anything. Anything, right, right. Dennis, uh... Dennis um, Hand Towel. Dennis Harry Carey. <laughs> oh, my. So, suicide. Yeah, I guess no, that's Which worse. is pretty hopeless. I guess All right, that's it works worse. back around. Yeah. Yes, now we, we've, um, we've come full circle. Yeah. Um, Jean Grey, cool. so that's great. Yeah. Uh, and then Generation X is the one I'm most excited to check out. Uh, that's Jubilee leading the team of the X... The, the mutants at the school that are too useless to be superheroes is basically kind okay. of how they're selling it. So it's all the people with, like, the really crappy powers. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, not useless, but... Not superhero powers. Not X-Men yeah. Gold type people. Yeah. Okay. So um, there's the Gold but... tier, the Blue tier, and the Generation X tier? There's a few. I mean, there's, I think, there's a, a yeah. couple other books, because Iceman came yeah, out. Yeah, Iceman's fine, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I had Arkham, they're having the writer of that um, do a signing in June, I think. And then yeah. Old Man Logan is relaunching at some point, because I know okay. Jeff Lemire's finishing his run. Okay. Um, and then All New Wolverine's still going. So. Right. It's a big, robust line. Yeah, right for the... All New Wolverine, though, is Old Man, right? No, the, no, no, no. No, Logan that's Logan X-23. is Old Man Logan. X-23 is Old oh, Man Logan. X-23, yeah. yeah. Um, Laura Kinney. Yeah. But I read those, your other quick titles. 
American Gods is really interesting. I mean, it's a very faithful adaptation of the novel. Which um, you've read. Yeah. Um, I haven't... I'm How many issues have there been? Just two so far. The third one should be out soon. Um, America Karate, I'll go ahead and plug that, because Brockton's doing it's a fun book. Job. It is a lot of fun. Um, I was really curious like if there's going to be a gratuitous sex scene in every issue. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised but, yeah. with Brockton. But yeah. Um, I actually really like the... Uh, What's it, Cynthia Weaver? Yeah, that's how he was. I actually really like that character. That's the thing. He was so excited about her when because he forgot that she wasn't even in the first issue um, because he's written her so much now. Um, But yeah, he's so yeah, he's. It has a see. Now this is this is unrelated. Actually, it's related. I don't know why I said unrelated. Yeah, it's not to reading it, but the first trade was on Amazon because I looked it up. It has a great volume title. It's uh, Americarati Volume One. Suck my kick. Oh my gosh. Which is an amazing pun. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can, I, can, I can just imagine him, because he told me him and Corey were like writing that in a hotel room. Like the first, I can just imagine how much. And they said they were acting out the oh, fight scenes God. and stuff. I can well, just imagine I can, that. Yeah. That they sounds are, like a reality yeah. show that needs to be made. Yes, it really does. Um, any um, other books? Let's see. Man Thing I still really love. Uh, oh, that's like, good. That's, yeah, yeah, I, is that close to wrapping up? Or? I think it, it's like a lot of good reads. R.L. Stein. Yeah. What? Yeah, it, we talked I, about it a little, but like I know, but not much. It's um, they, like there were some like man thing purists, I guess. You have it right them. over here. Um, somewhere. Go ahead. I'm sorry, my comments are kind of organized right now. Um, but yeah, there were some like purists online who weren't happy with it because it's very different from the original, and that like um, he's talking like in the the first issue, he's um. Uh, trying to have a career in show business and all that stuff. Um, but I just really love the storytelling in it. Like, it's shaped just like an 80s B-movie. Um, because, like, you've got... R.L. Stein does a really good job with, like, these really over-the-top narrations and the dialogue. The art is phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, I think it is a five-issue miniseries, I want to say. Because I'm sure. I want to say that I saw that on Goodreads when I was looking it up. Six um, at most. Six at most, yeah, probably, yeah. Um, so, which is unfortunate because it's one of those, like, I've just been, like, I couldn't wait for each issue, so it's been three out so far. But, How's he as a comic writer? I think he's great. Like, I mean, it's very over the top and, you know, there's a lot of heavy narration he in get, it. Oh, um, really? That was what I was going to ask. Is, a, is, yeah, yeah. Did he get down the whole thing about being, you know, sparse, like comic writing? Nope. I think well, it's... Well, but I, he, I think it works That is the generation one, of comics he probably read as a kid. Yeah. No, that's, it feels very much like an 80s comic, and I'm okay with that, though. It so it's not about his inability to be um, economic. I think the preview, oh, no. oh, speaking of huge news, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. renewed. Yeah. I saw that, yeah. That's huge. Sorry, I had to bust in with that. I saw, no so I saw uh, my favorite character here. Yeah. <laughs> Powerless was canceled. I saw that. Too. Not that yeah. surprising. So deserved. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was <laughs> getting better. I can't imagine. Cause I only watched the first two of them. Boy, were they rough. <laughs> That's most shows. Okay. Um, But yeah, are there any other books? Those are the main ones. Reading the button. I saw Deathstroke that. you were. Yeah, so I saw Deathstroke. It's amazing. Um, I'm just a couple of issues into that. Um, But that, yeah. I had heard great things about it. I mean, Chris, they got Christopher Priest writing that. Um, I forget the artist's name, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's a good, does a really good job, um, of making it just a brutal anti-hero book, Mm -hmm. um, and also exploring his past, and, yeah, I mean, Slade's always been an interesting character, um, so it's really cool. Cool, cool. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Yeah, man. Uh, well, I've, I mean, mainly, I've read a lot. I have a stack of about 15 books sure. by my bed that I finished in the past two weeks. So I like uh-huh. to let them pile up before I organize them sure, because sure. I like organizing stuff. Sure. Um, 
But I've been on a big Jeff Lemire kick. Okay. Uh, huge Jeff Lemire kick, honestly. Uh, I had... I read Descender recently. Descender sure. is what I... Yeah. That was the yeah. one of the first ones I picked up, because I I wanted a, a nice, inexpensive trade and 10 yeah. bucks, uh, And it's a really, good, really good start. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, so that's great for sci-fi. It yeah. has a very interesting cast of characters. I found it funny, because he names one of his characters in a way that is, I think, intentionally uh, confusing, because her name is Telsa. As opposed to Tesla. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she yeah, even yeah. corrects a character at one point. And then I think later in the book, there is actually a typo that isn't commented on that is just, like, it auto-corrected that, to Tesla. Right. Yeah, yeah. So That's I funny. found that funny where it's like, this just seems willfully right, right. stubborn of a name. Sure. Um, but really good characters all yeah, around. Uh, a very big world. I love it because there's, there's in the very back, there's, like, a list of all the planets... Yeah. It's just, oh, he's just, I can just see him like, I can't wait to write a story on this planet yeah. where there's no sound and everyone has to use side language. Right. And he's got all these planets like, oh, you can see, he just wants to do an arc on this world. Well, they, uh, it seems to have gotten more expensive just reading about, the, I'm going to pick up the next I saw it in previews, line, it was like yeah. the first Descender event is yeah, how yeah, they yeah, described yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, 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 that's it, yeah. Um, Pretty cool. But yeah, there's a couple more out, so I'd like to get that. Yes. I picked up Bloodshot Reborn. Oh, cool. Um, nice. The first volume of that was pretty solid. I he writes so different. Like he he is a he is a very very good at writing just completely different genres. Right. Um. And I really enjoyed that. I mean, Bloodshot's not my favorite character. Sure. Uh. But he does a good job with him. Sure. Um, I really like the art in that one too because I read the um Eternal Warrior one shot this week that came because there's a series of one shots for his 25th anniversary and the artist Bloodshot Reborn illustrated that one. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. But I, I like what he's doing with the different characters. I like that he brought back, in in Bloodshot's mind anyway, the Geomancer character. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Blood Squirt. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then I'm... I also... The biggest thing was I finally finished... Uh, there have been a lot, actually, because when I got back into comics in 2010, mm-hmm. uh, 2009-2010 was, was when I got to college, and there was yep. a comic shop right there, and well, what else am I going to do? Right. Uh, there were a lot of stories that I started, like Chew, yeah, which I, I finished thought, yeah. recently, uh, but also Sweet Tooth uh, oh, okay, cool. by Jeff Lemire, and I read, I think, the first 25 issues yeah, yeah, Me too. in yeah, issues, nice. um, and the thing with that was I just, when I fell off, you know, I mean, 25, that's two years, the two years I was really sure. heavy into it, and then I kind of pulled back because sure. it was a crazy habit of <laughs> buying so much each week. Sure, sure. Um, but you recently got the three trades, the three uh, hardcover Yeah, over the past... Four or five months, I, I was picking them up, and yeah, I got the third one, and I finished Sweet Tooth, and this one was all new because I mean, I read, I reread the first two because it had been a while. Right. But how? So how is it? It's fantastic. I Does mean, it have a good ending? Yeah. Does it have big reveals? It's not that kind of story. Okay. I don't. Well, I, I thought that's always your big. I thought go-to, they go to that. Well, I I don't always ask it because it would be annoying if I always asked. You kind but of this story. No, no, no. I don't. No, I don't. I very specifically. If you think I always ask, you should see without restraint what it'd be like. Because if you think I'm always asking. Um, no, this story has lost aspects. So they have, um, like, they go to, a, uh, the reason I'm asking this time is they go to, like, this um, compound. And there's, like, this dude in there. And he's kind of creepy. And he's got, like, shit going on. And you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's not a book hugely built around reveals. Okay. The mystery of it is explained pretty just straightforward with, like, a three-issue flashback. It's not, like, a huge okay. reveal. Where does that happen? Like, the characters find out about it way after the audience does. When does that happen, the three Very issues? start of the third hardcover. It's okay. Like a, it's a three-issue arc that actually Matt Kent illustrated. Um, cool. So I, I, I had to look forward to that. Go ahead. And uh, it's just set in the past and kind of sets up what the whole p- hybrid plague was. But really, the end, the last 12 issues are more about it, the characters. Well, sure, sure, emotional, right, right. 
And it does it really well. I mean, part of it comes from having now, technically these are characters I've been with for seven years, yeah. so there was that. But it, it also helps to emulate any series you read a longer term is going to impact you more than a series that you read in the short term. Sure. Um, but, so Sweet Tooth is just one that really resonated. I really enjoyed it. It was another part of the Jeff Lemire kick. And the one other book of his I read was Black Hammer. Which uh, one was that? That's his new one, and I always forget what the hell it is. It's okay. his dark... For some reason, I forget what the hell that one is. It's his Dark Horse um, book where it is about a group of superheroes mm-hmm. um, from, you know, like a DC Marvel-type universe mm-hmm. uh, who have, like, you know, the big crisis-style event happens, mm-hmm. and they fight off this eldritch horror, and they get transported out... Like, they all die in-universe, but then they get transported to this small town... Uh, this farming town, basically, uh, and they if they they can't leave the boundaries of the city, and so they've been stuck there for a decade, um, and they have all these characters. One of them is he has the ability to go to this place called I think it's the Parazone, and he's kind of like addled in the head. One of them is a dark witch, and she still kind of has her powers. And then there's one character uh, who was called Golden Gale. And she had the ability to... She was given... Basically, she's Shazam. Okay. She has the ability to gain the powers Gross, yeah, of Shazam, yeah, yeah. more or less. But it's kind of the opposite, because she's a girl when she finds it. She's like a kid, and so she just has the powers. But then anytime she activates her power, she turns into the child again. Okay. So she was a hero for like 40 years. Uh, okay. And so she was in her 60s. And, and then, then she goes, Shazam, or kapow, and she turns into a little girl. When Yeah, but then when the crisis event happened, she lost her power, so she's stuck as like a nine-year-old. Uh, and okay. to keep up pretense is she has to go to school, and she's been going and repeating for like ten years. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, this sounds really great. jaded. That sounds really cool. Um, and there's obviously a bigger mystery that starts to get built up uh, What's through this? the course of the six issues. What's this? A mystery with potential reveals? Yes. Um... <laughs> But it's a very it's a very good. I mean, Jeff Lemire is a fantastic oh, writer. Yeah. Is I, that a ten dollar trade? Uh, no, it's fifteen. It's Dark Horse. Um, but it's totally worth it. It's six issues. Um, Dark Horse, of course, always has a sketchbook in the back, so there's a lot of that back matter. His right. he actually it's interesting because he talks about he's he's had this idea since two thousand seven and he wanted to do it himself, but then Sweet Tooth happened and then he was kind of stuck not doing it, and not having the time. To do it, the art himself. And then, you know, all kinds of other stuff happened. And then it finally got to happen. So now he's writing that, and it's really good. Um, so that one's been fun. Uh, Jeff Lemire, in general, is great. I s- did some other Valiant stuff because I had found a bunch of trades at the used bookstore. Yeah, I'm still going through EXO. Yeah, I found the fifth EXO Man of War and the first two Harbingers. Gotcha. Uh, and I was just kind of like, you know, I'll, I'll get these. And so yeah. I reread the first Harbinger. Mm-hmm. Really, a lot of it, I think, helps if you're now f- more familiar with the universe. Because sure. I tried to go cold with Harbinger. And I think Harbinger, uh, which is one of the things we Was it as rapey? As... No, it's extremely rapey. Okay. <laughs> like, the, the first issue opens with a dude whose psychic powers, and he, like, commands a girl to love him. And it's... They, it gets washed away pretty quickly, but it's a pretty scuzzy start, especially if it's your... I wouldn't would not suggest Harbinger as your introduction to the, the Valiant universe. universe. And, and, what, and interestingly, based on our tastes, and at least where they were at the time, that was often what was recommended to us at the beginning of the Valiant thing. People were like, try Harbinger, it's one of the best books in the series, and, and it bounced off you, I know, and then for me, I, I, I it took me a little while, and I, I it kind of bounced off me as well. But once you know the whole thing, and, and it's only one piece of this larger puzzle, yeah. it, it's a lot more enjoyable, I think. Um, it also helps that, I mean, Faith is now a much 
larger character oh, yeah. in the universe. Yeah. And, and when you see, and when you see her introduced, it's done in just a really good way. Mm-hmm. So. The Generation Zero characters show up in Harbinger War. That's that's where they're introduced. That's what I'm reading now. Right. Um, I got the third and fourth EXO, and I've been reading them. So secret uh, weapons coming soon. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, Livewire. Yep. Um, there's a lot. You mean you got the third and fourth Harbinger? Yes. Not EXO. No, third and fourth. XO. Oh, okay. I thought you were way further in XO already. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Uh, Kevin is. I think yeah, he's got I'm on, No, I know that. I'm on volume seven, yeah. 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 I just started. Um, Excuse what, me. Sorry. Armor War. Armor yeah, Hunters. Armor Hunters. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Valiant's very good. I think if you haven't given it a try, you should. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, they have a lot coming out. Ninja, the new Ninjax series yep. is relaunching. I found out the last six issues of this run are written by someone like a, a fill-in writer. Cause oh, really? Matt Kintz ends with the the seven, the, what, man, the something of dark. I forget what the okay. storyline is called. But, you know, I think he had a 26-issue run, which is pretty solid. Sure. He did a lot with the character. So, you know, if he's ending his run, that's fine. And he writes Rye and all that, too. Yeah, he writes Rye, he yeah. writes events. He's, yeah, he's yeah. pretty deep in Valiant. Pretty busy, yeah. yeah. Uh, much like Jeff Lemire has sure. been. Uh, I think Matt Kent is to Valiant what um, Rockton McKinney <laughs> was <laughs> for a while lab. to Action Lab, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Whitley, he really, he's their yeah. cash guy. Oh, right, true. Yeah. Uh, he would be more the Dwayne Zwerinski, Joshua Dysart. Mm. They kept having books. Yeah. Um, That's but they are really good, Valiant Solid. Uh, the yeah. only other thing worth, well, I mean, there's a lot worth mentioning, but I don't need to list every book I've read. Uh, I got the Cloden Conspiracy hard. Oh, hell yeah. yeah, and I got a picture of it. Because Jordan and I had a shared experience of getting the last big trade, yeah, uh, big well, hardcover experience for twenty five bucks. It, this one, did you pay the full boat? No, it, I had a twenty percent off coupon from Barnes and Noble in addition to it was already thirty percent off. Nice. So, so you ended up paying it for like forty bucks. Price. Yeah, no, it was about thirty four. Nice. So, yeah, nice. Solid. Um, and you know, I it once again, Spider Verse did it too, where because there's so many issues, instead of putting them in a read order, which I get is kind of difficult because mm-hmm. some of them are more ancillary. Uh, it's like each series is just in its own chunk, which makes mm-hmm. it you got to flip around a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is what I think they probably could have got closer because mm-hmm. um, so far the big things are Silk and Prowler probably could have been off on their own, but it's basically there's the Clone Conspiracy miniseries and then there's Amazing Spider Man. And right. the Amazing Spider-Man issues are basically fill-in on stuff that happened to lead into the Clone Conspiracy thing. Right, so they like right. backstory. It's so like, the first uh, one is about like how Dr. Octopus came back to life. Okay. And the second one is about how um, Ben Riley, not Ben Riley, um, Kane, Kane is involved in yeah. the story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we see them in the main story, and they'll be like, oh, here's how Kane and Squ- Spider-Gwen were involved. So those could have been put right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pretty integral. Right. Uh, but the Silk and Prowler stuff is more, you know... Silk deals with one of the clones. Does sure. it feel like a huge event? Yeah, it feels very big and monumental. Like and his, like Spider Island did. Yeah, I mean it is a it is a major event. It's building on the first four volumes of the series and what all's happened with Parker Industries so far. Um, so he's been really working towards this for a while. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah. It's very it's clear that it's hints. like map. No, yeah. I remember the very first trade of Amazing Spider Man worldwide was. Like each of the first four issues set up a future storyline. Okay. And I know the next storyline they did in the main book was the Green Goblin. So yeah, they've, it's basically just like, here's a storyline, here's a storyline, here's a storyline. Yeah. On and on so far. Um, I don't really know where it's going after this, because I haven't well, seen much Well, they have that new Spider-Man book coming out this summer from Zdarsky that... And oh yeah, Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah, it's sensational? Like, sensational, I think. Like, to but cash it's, in it, on Homecoming? 
No, I think it's just, just it's a Darsky like, writing. It's just more like a throw, but it's very much a throwback old school Peter Parker book. Um, well, it does it has it does double duty as yeah. a homecoming match. Yeah. And then now now Spider Man Two is also coming, which will finally answer Miles the question and... of who the six one six Miles Morales is. So oh, okay. that might be fun. Uh, but yeah, is those are. Yeah, Bendis, the original team from Spider-Man. Nice. Um, those would be the big things. The only other one is I started Mind Management, but I, I haven't gotten super far into it. I have that. I should pick that up. You enjoyed it so far? Yeah, I'm digging it. Uh, but yeah, that's my Ben Reed. Everything you read is talked about there, the Black Hammer really appealed the most. That sounds awesome. It's pretty good. Word. All right. So I didn't read nearly as much. Um, I've read some Grayson. Um, I, I'll tell you, there's this one brilliant issue of Grayson. So I'm, I'm on the second trade. I, I picked up the uh, second third and then i got the fourth one at the con we were at um and um the the one that i really enjoyed was this run where there's this so basically the the whole premise of the grayson run is um obviously he's great uh dick grayson is um presumed dead he's right. faked his own death you find out pretty early on that batman knows this and that they're working together to uncover what's really going on sure. with spiral this organization um and mr minos who we have no idea who his identity is because he's this swirl face, right. <laughs> which is really cool looking, by the way. Right. Um, but basically, he has hypnos. Um, the, it's like this implant you get, and what it does is it makes it so that you can't uh, see somebody's face. Uh huh. Um, and Midnighter's big in this series, actually. He's like a, he plays a big role in it. But what's really interesting is the whole premise of it is we don't really know why Batman has Nightwing infiltrating, really, but we do know that what's going on is there was this. These organs, these superhero organs were created or made or appeared or something. Mm -hmm. And if you implant them, you get tremendous powers, but you also turn sort of evil. It's very it's very Tom King and, and sure. where it's where it's where it's complex and layered and they don't sure. tell you anything explicitly, you gotta kind of infer it, you yep. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um but it, you know, it's it, it gives them a good structure because there's like five or six of these organs out there that need to be like brought back in. Um, and they build the team as they go around, and Midnighter's, you know, sort of involved, sort of not. And then you start to find out in the second volume, like, what Min Midnighter's pur purpose in being peripheral to all this is, and, and who's, like, help, who's his master in this new, like, living garden setting that they're in. Anyway, what it really does is it provides a great way for them to do these one-and-done, two- or three-episode arcs, or even single-issue stories, where... You know, Dick Grayson is out with, uh, what is it, Maria something. I forget her. I always forget her. Bartonelli? Maria Bartonelli? Is that a Helena character? Bartonelli? Helena Bartonelli. Thank you. Helena Bartonelli. So the two of them are like, you know, the she's the, the matron of um, uh, Spiral. And, mm -hmm. and, and she has like this academy of girls that like she's teaching to be the next Spiral Asians. It's, it's really intriguing and interesting. Mm -hmm. But she and Dick go out on missions. And they're to recover these, these um, organs. And there's this one gorgeous issue at the beginning of uh, Trade 2. And it basically, they get stranded. It's like the desert issue. You know, a lot of books have this like incredible bonding experience where basically everyone's out of water and they're about to die in the desert and they say stuff that's really emotional. This is one of the best examples I've ever seen of that. And in this one, they have a baby with them that has... Um, I believe it has the heart implanted in it, or the heart's right there, and then the baby's there. But anyway, Dick is just driven to somehow survive this this desert because he wants to save this baby, not for his own life. He's literally like, if you have to kill me to save this baby, do it. Incredibly emotional, mm -hmm. compelling. Um, it's just really great comics, nice. you know. Um, it's it's Tom King. You know, the reason people love Tom King so much is issues like this. When you read yeah. it, you're just like, this. There, here's comics for people in podcast land. I'm, you know, doing like a, here's a level with one, my hand. And then here's Tom King. And he's like above 
that that average oh, yeah. level of what comics are, and then maybe even above that. He's just he really transcends a lot of. The... He just brings something really personal to anything he's writing. Yeah, know? it's um, very much like that. Multi layered. I mean, faceted. Just so much emotion, and they're so visceral and literary. Yeah. Yeah, very very talented guy. But anyway, so I'm really enjoying that series. Although it's a lot denser read than I thought. So when I first started reading Grayson, and and I saw like the annual came out, it was like an Indiana Jones slash Uncharted story of like the two of them swashbuckling and going after treasure. And then I also read like the first couple issues, and I didn't understand that the tone of this book is much more cerebral and much much deeper than I thought it was going to be. It's not like a crowd-pleasing spy thriller. Mm. It's much more, like I said, cerebral. So um, it's definitely a slower read for me than I thought it was going to be. You really have to like go in and read the layers, kind of like a lot of his books. Um, So I've been enjoying that. The other thing um, I've been, I did a real deep dive back on Fuse again. Fuse is, if you don't know that, one of my favorite comic series of all time. Um, I reread The Russia Shift, which is the first one, and it's just as good as I remember, even though I knew The Killer. Um, that's how good that book is. Um, then number two is also excellent. I think I like it almost as much um, as the first one. Uh, it's just a really, really great arc where they bring together lots of different. So the idea of this is uh, on the on the. I'll give you if the people don't know the premise of the fuse is um, space cops, cops on a space station, and uh, detectives. I should say solving crimes. And on the front of the second issue, uh, Alan Moore has a quote um, that says, "This is uh, brilliant, well thought out sci-fi." Um, meeting, uh, you know, connecting or meeting up with uh, Scandinavian noir, a masterpiece or a must-read or something. So that is really what it is. And I, those are like two of my favorite things, as, as I always talk about. I, sure. I'm a broken record on that type of thing. But the the second book is great in that it brings up, there's drugs, and then it has, it's really well realized, the world of the fuse, because like there's this idea of the first guys up, which are, which one of the uh, detectives, Clem, who's this older um, woman detective, female detective. She's uh-huh. like seventy-ish, uh-huh. still on the force. She was one of the first guys up, and and they were the first people to be on the fuse and help build the thing. So they get like respect no matter what. You know, it's just like total like props. Once they say we're first guys up, everyone on the fuse just automatically just has reverence for them. Uh-huh. So that kind of world building, like it's not the kind of thing you see in an amateur book. Right. You know, that's like the kind of thing you not have to know what you're doing. You got to plan that shit out early to make right. it like make sense sure. and have them drop in FGA FGA, which is the acronym. I mean. FGU, mm-hmm. FGU, that acronym is dropping. In fact, that book is full to the brim with acronyms. There's all these different, uh, um, uh, like organizations that are warring, and you know, different, different, like liberation fronts, and it's just great. It's just yeah. great. Um, and then the second story really is cool because it brings in all of that. So it's got the FLF and the something something and the and the FGU and, and all these different mm-hmm. groups, but they all make sense. And then there's this gridlocker scene which it all revolves around which are these these uh like hover bikes that so because they're on the fuse and there's these big satellite arrays you know they they have these magnetic bottoms on these bikes and they race around the arrays and it's become like this illicit sport that's hugely popular and everybody's into and you can die doing it and then all of a sudden there's a murder there um, out there on the on the array, and then she's got drugs on her. So then it brings up the whole drug angle of the fuse, and potentially certain crimes that happen on certain levels of the fuse that maybe the police overlook because they have to, because uh-huh. it's just otherwise it would be chaos. Just all kinds of just deeply woven depth. And then obviously this is something that's it's kind of a little bit um, surface level at this point, but um, Dietrich, um, Ralph Dietrich, the main. Um, cop the other cop um he came up from germany 
and he's got like this this quest and you don't know what the quest is but it has something to do with the FLF Liberation Front and maybe I don't, I don't want to give too much away but he's got a motivation and by the end of the second one you find out kind of maybe what what's motivating him um, but it's, it's very just barely touched upon so my understanding is I'm on the third one now which I know you've read Perihelion, Perihelion. which is cool it's basically their ability to because uh, they, I think by that point they knew they were going to wrap up their main arc by the fourth volume, or because yeah. they said they might return to it, but really by the like fourth we're going to get Ralph's final. It's going to probably be his story mainly. And then, so the perihelion is this day of the year where they're closer to the sun than any other, and mm-hmm. all the crime happens. Okay. So they like it's it's four or five different crime cases interweaving with one another, and okay. one's mm-hmm. taking scenes. It's actually really coolly well done. How all these cases kind of interweave with one another. That's that's the thus is the skill, you know, of, of this guy. I mean, he's a guy who did Wasteland. Um, uh, this is John Johnson. What's his name? Um, Anthony, Anthony Johnson. Johnson. Anthony, yeah. Uh, also br- did Umbral. Right, brilliant guy, British guy. Um, and he uh, he's kind of like a uh, he's like an old pro. He even has in the back of the uh, Fuse book. It's like uh, a grizzled veteran. It's kind of making fun of the the subject matter, but at the same time, he's talking about. You know the Greenwood, the the artist. He's like he's just you know young buck, fresh face in comics, right, right. and he calls himself like the grizzled old pro. You know, or maybe he doesn't say pro because he's he's more self-effacing than that. Sure. But the idea being that like this guy knows his way around a motherfucking comic plot. You uh-huh. know, he has done it up. Wasteland was like fifty issues of like black and white and then color, brilliant comic world building. Um, and then now he's you know he did Umbral that wasn't really a hit. Fuse did take off, and so he's just really taken all of his skill and applying it to a um, subject that I just you know eat up. So yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. So those are my big those are my big comic reads. Okay. I'm playing a lot of Persona Five, but that's for another podcast. Nice, cool. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, we will be back uh, to talk about Runaways. And we're back with our main uh, topic. We're going to talk about Runaways. And uh, we had initially thought we were going to possibly talk about the first 12 issues. I know, Jordan, you've read the whole run, right? Multiple times. Okay, all right. Um, and so for me, I'd read the first arc and a half um, in the past, and then I went back and read the first arc again. Uh-huh. And then I know that you've read the first arc now, yes. right? Uh-huh. Um, so we're going to talk about that, issues. and yep. uh, maybe in the context of the show that's coming, and uh, just sort of discuss our take on it. Well, so, it'll be interesting different perspectives, because, I mean, I'm excited. This is, this is my first time reading it. Um, and Jordan, this is a seminal book for him. Yeah. Um, and Rage kind of right in the middle. I mean, you've yeah. read it before. Oh, I love um, it. I love it. It's one of the oh, best. It's, great. it's yeah. one of the best first arcs I've ever read. Sure, and in sure. fact, in fact, it um, it's something I've read multiple times over sure. the years, and I always meant to get back to it. I have um, the really pretty hardcovers that they were oh, putting nice. out for a while. Very these nice. premiere editions. Nice. I only have the first five, but so, they're 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 gorgeous, yeah. and and they even have they even have these white covers yeah. that are that are just exquisite. I was going to point out though that all three of us read it. On a different format. <laughs> uh, obviously, your first time was on, in issues, right? Issues, yeah. And then now you have the complete edition. You've had other ones at times, I think. No, the, I always, I always just had the issues till these came around. I always, what they had with the, they had oversized hardcovers oh, uh, back yeah. in the mid two thousands. I wish, but had those. I never pulled the trigger on those before they went out of print. They were really sweet. Um, but anyhow, uh, and then I read these, these uh, Marvel Premier editions, which are gorgeous, uh, uh, regular size trades. I mean, hardcovers. And then you read it digital. Yes. Which, um, how was that? How was it? Did it was good. I mean, I wouldn't, well, the only, I was going to pick up a, um, print that. format, but the only, well, the only ones I saw were those huge, um, uh, trades there of the 18 issues at the shop the other day, and that would have been a little hard for me to hold, so I just, yeah, yeah. the, um, digital, but it still looks great on, I mean, uh, I mean, 
Obviously, print always makes a difference, but it still looked great, though. I mean, awesome. I love Adrian Alfonso's art from Miss Marvel, obviously. What so. do they charge for, like, a, like a six-issue arc on that app? I think it was, like, ten bucks, maybe. That's what they usually charge? Yeah. Okay, that. that's decent. Yeah. Um, yeah, the art's gorgeous on this book. Um, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. But anyway, let's start at the beginning and talk about a little background on it. So, sure. obviously... Um, Jordan, I would love to hear your take on sort of what this book is. What, what, where did it, where did it fall in comics history, and and what was going on at the time, and and, and what did this book kind of? Do you mean in general comic history, or for me? Because I don't. I mean, I'm not. I wasn't super involved in comics. Well, at the time. I guess my question is like, what makes this book land groundbreaking? <laughs> I, it's what, ma- what made it? Many, why was it big for you? How old were you? It would have been about 12. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Well, then I, I know the answer to my question already. Because that's, I mean, you know, when you're 12, usually your heroes this, are about 16, you know? There are, um, there. I've read a lot of books over the years, and really the first book I got into in comics was a few years earlier. I started reading the Sonic the Hedgehog Ongoing, yep, which know. pour one out because it looks like that's finally canceled. Is it really? Yeah. Flynn. Yeah. Uh, my boy. But 293 issues ain't nothing to... So there's not going to be any more Sonic comics, period. They, they haven't been solicited and no one's saying anything, but it seems pretty final. Um, so that was the first book I really, really read was Sonic, because uh, I love those video games. Um, but in terms, of, uh, in terms of mainstream really getting into comics, there were two books, really, and they were part of this line, and this mm-hmm. was part of Marvel's Tsunami imprint, uh, which was basically, we want to make comics that are manga-like and will attract manga readers, because manga had a big explosion in the yeah. mid-2000s. Um, and to this day continues to be hugely popular with middle schoolers. Um, and so they had this tsunami imprint where they had a few different books. Uh, they had Runaways, they had Sentinel by Sean McKeever, um, and it was it was a, an imprint where it was just like, we're going to tell young adult-focused um, superhero comics with very friendly, attractive art. Uh, Sentinel went 12 issues, and is another one that I read a lot, and I still really like that. I wish they would release What was that about? Sentinel was about Justin Seyfert, who is in Avengers, uh, arena, actually. And he's a kid who, you know, a a Marvel Sentinel crashes into his parent, his family's junkyard, Mm -hmm. and he starts to rebuild the thing, and it's about his interpersonal relationship at school, and him growing to connect to this Sentinel, and once he starts building the Sentinel, whether or not its initial programming is going to kick back into effect... Uh, and so, which is a very well-told story. It was t- it had a 12-issue run, and then it had a 5-issue miniseries to kind of wrap up its storylines, which was cool. Yeah, but yeah. they've never really released a complete collection of that. Okay. That wasn't a huge thing, but it's on Where the Where can app. you read it? What? Marvel? Sentinels. Sentinels? Or Sentinel, you can just read on Marvel Unlimited, really, okay. if you they want to it. now. Yeah, it's on there. Um, but Runaways was obviously the much bigger hit that went on for many years, uh... I think a full six years run between all the different volumes before it was kind of mm-hmm. axed off unceremoniously. Uh, but Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfona with um, Takeshi Miyazawa. Miyazawa, I said that right. Uh, who also, you know, art-wise, if you both Adrian Alfona and Takeshi Miyazawa went on to work on Miss Marvel. Right, right. So, totally you know, cool. if you like that book, this is their kind of beginnings as both... Yeah. S- not collaborators, I guess, but teammates. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and it definitely shows in the, I mean, just in the style. Of, well, well, it's I very mean, clearly Alphona, much more right. rudimentary. Of, rudimentary. Not to say rudimentary, but, but he hadn't developed as much right. as he is now. 
but also you know both books deal with really strong um, teenage superheroes and and, um, and different and, and of different ethnicities right, and different cultures exactly. and different um, persuasions and all kinds sure. of stuff and effortlessly so yeah I mean, yeah exactly never done never done like as the point of it. Right, of it. right. It I mean, there is a coming out game. narrative in the story that, that gets played up as time goes on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for the 2000s, that was a big deal. Now yeah. it's kind of like, you look at something like Young Avengers where it's way more out in the open. Mm-hmm. But that's right. a sign of the times and progress. Well, it, it comes across looking a little trite back then, and but now, yeah, excuse me, in, um, in today's context. But uh, this book was supposed to run for, I, I, you know, it, it, it went 18 issues and then it was so popular they got renewed for a second ongoing that went 30 issues, right. 24 of which Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfona did. You right. know why they bounced? Uh, like they were right just done the telling the story. They wanted to, I, think it was, I don't think it was a matter of that. I think it was just the book got relaunched six issues later as opposed to, okay. you know, they, they were like, oh, we don't want to do the last six issues. They were like, no, we, we it told It was more like story. we planned on doing 18 and then 24. Yeah. Uh, and so, but, but to get back to the beginning, this was just, it was meant to appeal to literally me. Because I was big into manga at the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw the sixth issue cover of Molly Hayes just kind of breakfast clubbing a little bit in uh, of gorgeous cover art. This? I saw it at Borders. This one? Yeah. yeah. I saw that issue at Borders Bookstore. Oh, wow. And it looked cool, and I bought it. And then I went and I found the first five issues um, and read those. And then I was a monthly reader throughout the entire run of the thing. And... Uh, there is no other book that, in terms of me getting into comics, is probably more important than Runaways because it introduced me to the Marvel Universe in a bigger way than, you know, the 90s shows that I watched. Right, like Spider-Man right. and whatnot. Sure. It made me a monthly reader. You know, I started reading Sentinel off of that. I, I, I bought, during that run, I started reading Amazing Spider-Man and going to the comic oh, shop wow. a lot more. Well, and, I didn't realize that was your this was your entree to, to Spider-Man. Well, I loved Spider-Man, again, from the cartoon and the movies. Right. But that's about when I started reading the ongoing. Um... I love the characters. I love that it was aimed at a younger audience, but it transcended, obviously, oh, because yeah. Runaways is rightfully remembered as one of the best books of the 2000s. And it is a rare thing that introduced six completely brand new characters. In fact, it's unheard of. Uh, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't I'm sure there are much. times it's happened. There are times when new characters get introduced, but usually with a supporting cast. With other characters. You know, there are new characters introduced in Young Avengers or sure. Avengers Academy. But there's somebody there. There's some recognizable face. Right, right. Um, and this, while this characterization they're... is one of those things that until you know who the characters are, you're literally looking at a blank slate all around. Yeah. Once you get to the third and fourth arcs, you can look at their face and immediately all that backstory comes back. Yep. But and... right, this tome that I'm holding in my hand, this six-issue arc right here, mm-hmm. is, 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 is nearly impossible to pull off correctly. Yeah. It is huge I mean, really level was, of skill it is. required. Um, because let's be real, if this, if, if Brian Kavon was born 10 years later, this would be, it would be an image book. I mean, really, he would write this story is just like, what if six kids found out their super, their parent, and that's the premise. You know, I I remember that being the log line, something along the lines of every kid thinks their parents are evil. evil. These kids are right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they find out, uh, that their, their parents are super villains and they go on the run to, you know, escape that, whatever their parents have planned, to learn more about them. They're called the Pride, and uh, they become runaways, and they're wanted for a murder they didn't commit. And the first 18 issues is is about that. It's about them dealing with their parents and the issues that arise because of it. Mm-hmm. And the first six issues is basically just they find out, and they run them. away. Confront them. They confront have them a, battle. a little, yeah. Have a battle. Not a good, not, uh, yeah, it's well, a few here and coming there. coming together, too, because... At the beginning, they don't really like each other too. Like Alex is, like, they're very, they have these 
that where they see each other once a year because they think their parents are just these socialites who uh, yeah. um, have this annual charity fundraiser. They're actually and, sacrificing. Right, they're actually the sacrificing this alien girl. Yeah, and um, and you know, Alex or the main point of view character Alex is Wilder. just like, yeah. Um, he's like, oh, I don't want to hang out with all them. They're weird, you know. Like, um, the, I love the the line where he says, like, that one white guy. He just calls me bro all the time, you know. Like, you know, things like that. Starts like, out, I mean, it's just such a Breakfast Club type it's, setting, it, and it's, it's very much a mid two thousands teenage life. Right, he right. Starts, it opens with him playing an MMO. Right, right, right. Um, what I find amazing too, and this this sort of goes throughout, but it's it's amazing how good this book and definitely this book name drops or or. or subject drops like it actually yeah. talks about it because it was the wb back then but then when i was rereading this was actually a time when he says um wow that was so wb of you to mention that because they were talking about uh, krypton and uh kryptonite kryptonite yeah. and he yeah, was yeah, like yeah, oh my yeah. god that's mm-hmm. so wb of you and i was like oh my god like even back then the cw and superheroes was a thing i mean by a different <laughs> yep. name which is which is impressive, and then yeah, it starts out with an MMO, but they do a brilliant job. I mean, it's so deftly done. When at first you think, okay, I just opened this Runaways comic, but whoa, Cap I'm looking and... at Daredevil, Cap, and Hulk. Right, What's right. up with this? And then right. um, uh, the Invisible Woman shows up, and then it, she starts acting um, unlike the Invisible Woman right, would right. act. And then Spider Man shows up and hits on her, and you're like, okay, this is not real. This right. is an MMO, and Alex Wild is playing it. Another interesting reference. Boom. The Duke Xbox controller. <laughs> this is the Duke. This was notorious for being a way too big, unwieldy controller. Yeah, it's very two thousand three. It's right there. Yeah, uh, it's very, it's very, it's crazy um, that he would be, he would be rocking the 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 Duke. But there it is. And there's lots of that kind of stuff. And I mean, really, to me, this is also when you look at Marvel. This is right around the time of the start. What do I consider modern Marvel? Around two thousand one. Yeah. A lot of the books relaunched in that new, very strongly serialized, long run heavy. Sure. Bendis got on Daredevil, JMS was doing Spider-Man, sure. a lot of books like this. They were starting to do more outreach. It was They were coming back from bankruptcy. Right. Uh, and they needed new characters. They needed that outreach. And this worked gangbusters. I mean, again, I wouldn't, like a lot of people my age, I wouldn't be into comics without Runaways. Right. Um, and it just, yeah, the first issue is so jam-packed. With really all bad. the introductions, all the dynamics with parents. But it's amazing how, like you're saying, Rich, like how well... You remember each character even after, shortly after their introduction, yeah. like because the characterization is that good. Like it's like you, you know who Chase and Carolina and Molly and Alex, all these you know, people are even just a few pages in because um, he gives the perfect introduction through a brief tidbit of their home life and then their interactions with each other. They just are full feel really fleshed out, and that's the mark of just a writer who believes in his characters and yeah and part and yeah. part of the way they do it is very much uh, along with you know the 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 overarching idea that you're talking about is that this book was aimed obviously they it's a known thing in culture that like people you know kids are aspirational so sure. so a 12 year old usually looks to 16 year olds 16 year olds look to 21 year olds you sure. know that's just how it works sure. um and so once 12 year olds a lot of times like the kind of thing they're going through is what kind of these 16 year olds are going through uh-huh. um and what, what that is in each one of these mini stories is for some reason Unbeknown, before they know their parents are super or evil uh, villains, right. they have a clash of some sort with their parents. Right. Um. To to varying degrees, but I think the one that's really effective is Alex Wilder in the very beginning because his dad tells him to cancel his MMO prescription subscription yeah, yeah, immediately. Yeah. And when I saw that, I was so pissed. 
I was. <laughs> I was really genuinely pissed. I didn't need a murder to hate that dude. <laughs> I was really pissed How off. How dare he? I was pissed because it's like ten, fifteen dollars a month. He bought it for his kid. He's got and the game. Rich anyway, yeah. And they're rich anyway. And he's like, cancel it just because he wants to be a you know a a, 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 a Napoleon, even though he's tall. But but still, it, it's just it's just really pissed me off. And then when you see. Uh, Chase's father hit yeah, him. Yeah, That just makes you kind of hate yeah. him. But but then it's really interesting when Chase, you know, later on in this arc, um, is the one that's kind of least willing to think of his parents in a bad light, even though they're the ones right. that are physically, literally would hit him. Right. Um, you know, Carolina's um, parent, Carolina, Carolina? Carolina. Car- Carolina's parents are probably the most, like, happy-go-lucky of the bunch with right. her. Yeah, but they quickly, I mean, they reveal their true, you know, they her mother at one point even, you know, calls her kind of a wimp. Uh, right. You know, kind of degrades her. They they think she's kind of cowed, and you know she finds out a lot about herself. Um, and, then, and then Nico, this. same thing. Um, I mean, we get six one-page vignettes. Basically. Well, with but, Alex gets the most, but then that's five one-page vignettes but introducing. Them the all. point yeah. being, though, that in every one of them, it, it's like something that teenagers go through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or and some reason to relate to these kids yep. because you've probably been through something similar. But it does a good job of varying the ages too. I mean, they range from eleven to seventeen. Right. So it. it well, most most all... of them are seventeen, though. The only one. No, most are fifteen. Oh, okay. I mean, Chase Who's is the, the oldest. oldest. Chase oh, okay. is seventeen. I didn't know that. He's the first to turn eighteen in the series, and they make a deal of that later. Not a big, big deal, but it is is noted. But yeah, they range from fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and eleven. She's she's demonstrably the youngest. Yes. Right. But um, it does it does a good job of ranging. Um, it does a great job of of doing a couple things. One, it, it represents all corners of the Marvel Universe as far as the villains, from time travels sure. to mutants to mages to scientists to just, you know, street-level thugs. Right. Um, and it also does something that at the time was one of those what goes on on the West Coast? Because <laughs> Marvel is In very New, New York-centric. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, nobody really operated on the West Coast at that time. I mean, mm-hmm. there were the West Coast Avengers for a bit. Yeah, but, but... Even that team didn't last super long. Right. Uh, so it filled this niche of, oh, all the crime in California is run by this secret cabal. The pride. Yeah, yeah. And that's why you don't hear about it or read about it in, even in the fiction of the universe, she says, how come I never read about these guys? And they're obviously a secret society. This is a scene. Oh, yeah, that line where, I even went on the internet and I can't find anything about it. Right. Yeah. Um, this, that's, which is really a clever, like, tongue-in-cheek way to say we're making up all new characters here. Right. You know? Um, another, th- it's meta. And the right. lot, so much of this book's meta as hell. Sure. Um, I love this scene. When the mom comes in the door and they came up with this, oh, and this twister, yeah, 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 yeah. what a brilliant great. cover though! Yeah, yeah. And, and and obviously that's the first time we get an, a sense that Alex Wilder is a, is this genius strategist, right. and I love that concept. Right. I love the concept that he. And I don't know if he's going to end up having a power. I don't think he will, but that he's such a great strategist that he's a brilliant military strategy sure. mind. Sure. Um, and this is just such a great example of it. And then they get everybody to do it. I mean, it's just such a good mix. Yeah. And when you see them all playing twister, you're like, wow. It's just like you said. This 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 issue does so much. Like it almost literally, it literally physically brings everybody together. I mean, know? the first arc totally does a lot of ground covering from introducing all the characters and their powers and the different puzzle pieces that they yep. need to collect. I mean, it's very efficient at how much it manages to get across. You know, giving Carolina uh, her abilities, or getting the Dakota Ring, or getting the Staff of One. Sure. And um, and, and don't forget Chase when he wants to go home. They actually. Um, call out that it's kind of arbitrary for them to go to Chase's house in the, in the book. And they're just like, what are you talking about? Oh, you just want to go find your secret thing that's at your house. He's like, yeah, I do. It's on the way. Let me go get my cool shit that's stashed. Um, and, and so they, 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 they acknowledge it. 
mm-hmm. which is which is great. Sure. Um, the as far as it, man, I'm just again. I know everything that happened, so it's always like yeah. I'm just going to keep reading this because uh, now I've reread the first six issues, and I there's twelve more in this collection. Yeah. Um, but I as far as. Uh, it's hard for me to be super critical, given how important and... and oh, yeah. So, yeah. There are a few quibbles, though, I mean, okay. that you can definitely make. Sure, let's hear it. Uh, the biggest, I think, has always been an issue. And, I mean, when you introduce six characters with parents, you're now going to have 12 parents. Right. The parents kind of... It's hard to keep track of. Yeah. They're a little generic. I think the biggest ones that come through are Jeffrey, uh, which is Alex's dad. Sure. Um, but a lot of times it's like, I think even the mutant pair... Molly's... The biggest one is Molly's mutant parents both have the same power. <laughs> So yeah, I assumed yeah, yeah. that I was just going to get to know them better as it goes. I because it just all happened too fast. That was my assumption, and that as the story goes, they would all be like, like there'd be an issue that was more about Molly, and then her parents would come into the frame. Is it, that not the case? Really, the first volume, which is again these eighteen issues, and deals directly with the pride by the end of it. Uh, you know, you get you get a four part arc, then a two part arc, and then kind of a one shot, which is the history of the pride, and then a five part finale arc. So, I mean, it is very, uh, it, it was not, because again, it was ending. He knew it was ending at issue 18. So anything he had planned, they kind of had yeah. to go a little quicker. The Actually, the parents get more depth, some of them, by the end of his run overall, um, which is again why I say Jeffrey. Uh, I, I know a couple others that I don't want to give away if you haven't read it, which I know Kevin hasn't, uh, do pop back up in different ways, right. but for the most part, it's more about the kids' experience and how they come together. Like, the second arc is classic team comes together and, and starts to grow and learn how to work as a unit type story. And maybe relationships form that may be romantic and whatnot. Yeah, and then the second arc is kind of the, alright, we're in the MCU. Let's have Cloak and Dagger <laughs> pop in. Why not? Which is how I know Cloak and Dagger. In the oh, first you were talking about the first arc, how the team comes together. No, 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 the second, second arc. arc. Yeah, and that's then what's the, the third issue. One? The third is the two-parter with Cloak and Dagger. Oh, okay. And that's um, in... Yeah, okay. And that's the one where you can see, in my tray, you got that Takeshi Miyazawa art, as opposed to the Adrian Alfona art. Um, but, is yeah, it's this just... This one? No, which one is it? Yeah, the, the, the those... Th- this one? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, it's a fantastic first arc, getting back to that, that just, it really introduces a completely new world into the Marvel Universe, um, and... The characters are really well drawn, like you said. I mean, they they are both well drawn, <laughs> illustration wise, right. and in terms of character development. Um, oh, we got to talk about Gertrude's reptile companion too. Yeah, old lace. Really yes. uh, old lace. I don't know if they're <laughs> doing the TV show or not. That's always been my oh really okay yeah. curiosity. What's this? Uh, old lace, which is the dinosaur. It would take Saurus effects, I guess. Um, but yeah, she has a psychic dinosaur because her parents. Are well, what are they going to make not? Gertrude do otherwise? I don't know. Uh, they haven't confirmed anything. It's still a ways off. Um, but Here's a great shot of the pride in uh, the beginning of the second arc. Go ahead. Yeah, they all kind of chill. Um, yeah, no, it's a great concept. People love dinosaurs. <laughs> no, it's a great idea, especially because you know it really, it really demonstrates early on like what her family's powers are too. Like I, that, there was if there was one other parent group. Now that you mention it, that I remember, it was them because of the fact that they were traveling through time and brought this back. And then that the hologram pops up. That was a great reveal when you think they're right behind her and it's really a hologram. I love a, I love in a reveal or even just a nice little moment in a comic when something happens that is like makes you jump or feels startling, but then there's a good reason for it. 
Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like, we put this in there to make you jump, but now, boy, I don't know how we're going to explain why this happened, you know? I also love, um, in relation to Old Lace, is the, the, I mean, the book doesn't make the parents completely horrible all the time. No, and the... It definitely sells the idea of the kids feeling that way, and Gertrude definitely does, because she tells the story about her pig that went missing. But then it's, because she's like, I know I closed the gate, but yeah. then you see old lace. And she's like, no, she probably left the gate open and her pig ran away. Right. And so again, it does that of being like, the parents aren't complete monsters. Right. They well, kind of are. But. They, yeah. But again, like, having not read ahead, like, I still am very intrigued to see, because there's got to be a reason for why they are what they are and, you know, what the inner workings of the pride, what it all means. And so, I mean, yeah, they're villains, but, um, you know, because because of the whole time travel thing and... All the, there's so many questions that are left unanswered, in the first, and so that makes me can't wait. To I just no, it sets up a mystery because yeah, yeah, there's also yeah. the mole, the question of who the mole is. Right, right. It comes up which is fantastic. That first issue, or that first arc. Um, when do we find out? How long in? Far? By the end of this vol, first eighteen issue volume. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, but because yeah, I mean, a lot of the what are now considered big runaways team members don't even show up until the second volume. Uh, oh really? Yeah. Oh. Oh, I didn't realize that. There's Victor Mancha and Zavin and Clara Prast are like the three big team additions that happened before the run, before the series went away. And, you know, uh, but I love this first six issues. It, it obviously got me into comics. In fact, I very much, I read that first issue so much. I don't know. This is a weird little anecdote. Okay. Uh, but at the end of the fifth issue, there's this scene of Molly jumping up out of bed to kind of yell, get away from my mom. Yeah. In the comic issue version... There is a, there, there, the, you know ads are a thing? Yes. There was an ad of, like, a girl who'd been smoking, and it was like, her throat was burning. Uh-huh. She was, like, grabbing at it, but it matched up so perfectly that it looked like she suddenly had her throat on fire. Ah! Oh, and was, like, clawing at it. And I was like, what happened? But it's an anti-smoking ad that just happened to be right on right. the face. I hate when that happens. Uh, so that was a funny, funny thing that I always remember from that issue. Yeah. But yeah, I was super... Super drawn into comics by that. I remember so much about that era. Like, the other thing I remember is issue seven. I can find issue seven. It has, like, this all red cover with uh, Nico on it. But that was yeah, just yeah. a thing. All the Tsunami books did that with their seven issues. This was, like, hollow foil. Oh. And so the Sentinels one was, like, Justin in, in blue on a black background. Were there any other um, uh, Tsunami books? No big ones. I think... Think Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane was a part of that family as well, but I can't remember specifically on that one. Interesting. Um, okay, so you were saying uh, uh, minor minor quibbles, and I only heard one. Is there any others? That would be the big one. I mean, really, I just think that the parents you, they kind of had to shorthand a little bit. The only other big one is uh, you gotta love this this random team shot that they just pose for at the very end of the arc. Yeah. So wait, like, wait, what? They're just like we're looking into the camera now. I don't know. What's wrong with that? I don't. It's I love just, it. They're very clearly not opposed at all, and then suddenly we're all staring at the camera. It's it's more just it's a stylistic thing it's to a be like. Thing. Here's yeah. our our cover as opposed to a real moment. Um, I also they give themselves their nicknames, which are so painfully teenage. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I love that. I yeah. And that's, I don't know. I wasn't. I, yeah yeah. What? They weren't bad. I, I just remember that moment. I, I'm trying to remember if it was that that I, or, or Persona 5. So when you play Persona 5, you'll understand. Uh, you haven't played it yet, right? No. You'll understand that it, it, it it's like you play it so much it permeates your head. So like there's that. They pick nicknames in that too. So I'm trying to remember like which, which one I'm thinking of. So what are the nicknames in this? Well, you know, they go one goes with an old movie, Arsenic and Old Lace. Uh, you know, Lucy in the Sky based off the <laughs> song from the Beatles. 
Uh, my favorite is Nico goes with her aim handle and his sister Grim, which is complete. Like if I were gonna, do they be keep like, those? No, they don't. It's a complete play on the idea of superhero identities. Although Marvel kept them for years and would like put it on official sites, Nico was always Sister Grim, even oh, though wow. she literally never goes by it. I was gonna these say first set of issues. Um, oh, and uh, Chase wanted to be Neo, but they ended up calling him Talkback. Uh, so it's just like a series. Now Chase's thing is he just has these fists. Is that he, the he deal? He has X-ray specs and yeah, the fist again. I like the fists. They're cool. He gets another thing later on that ends up being. Uh, he basically ends up as their wheel man. Oh, okay. but yeah, that's cool. I just can't believe there's more runaways. I thought this was the whole cast. Yeah, there are, there's three other major players that come up. Uh, but okay, and they just come up. They're related somehow to the plot. Yeah, it, it just it's it's how things develop uh, again. The only one introduced by someone other than uh, Brian K. Vaughn was Clara Prast, which she came in from Joss Whedon's run. Um, so, yeah. so anyway, um, what is your take on the whole uh, first arc overall? I mean, I love it. It's definitely, I'm definitely going to keep reading. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised that I enjoy it with everything. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think when I first heard about Runaways, it, I mean, it did kind of like weirdly fall out and, uh, after it got canceled. Like, no one really talked about it for a while. Um... Because, I, um, I mean, you know, you're talking about your um, gateway into comics. Mine was Batman Long Halloween. So Mine was Watchmen. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I read, so I was mainly reading a lot of DC, so I especially didn't really know much about the obscure Marvel books um, until later on. But um, having heard about it in recent years, I always wanted to read it. Um, but, no, I mean, it's, if... Just as good, if not better, than I expected. Oh, I, I have mean, a quibble. It's seminal for it's, a reason. Right, right. I have a quibble. Watch, uh, and it's a, it really drives me crazy. It's a very small thing, but it drives me freaking mm. nuts. Um, Carolina's bracelet. It gets ripped off <laughs> twice and shattered in the art, and then he just snaps it back on her as if it was never shattered. <laughs> and then after it happened the first time, I was like, all right, that's fucked up, but I'll give it a gimme. Then they shatter it again. Yeah, Did fair. you see it? Yeah, you know. I, it, it, I never call like, that, but it's quibbles are that, you know. But it, it's it's a minor yeah, thing. Like, I mean, that's right. I think a lot of the little look, issues. See this? Right. Look at all the see all the shards breaking. Yeah, see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But later he like does the, the <laughs> little latch again, and then it happens again. Yeah, I can buy that with an alien bracelet though. So I don't know. yeah, yeah. but they, I just it needs a drop line. Okay, like yeah, this yeah. bracelet comes back together or something. Sure, sure. But yeah. like on the whole, I just I love Runaways. It means yeah. so much to me, and sure. I, I I can't not have warm, fuzzy feelings. Like, I dreamed about writing Runaways one day. It was, yeah. was a big thing when I was younger. And yeah, um, I, think I can't talk this guy into reading the new run. Do you, Nothing uh, to do with Runaways. Do you think uh, what the show, What do you mean though, it's got like... characters? Doesn't it? Molly is in it as an alternate Wait, universe what? version of Molly, sure. Okay. Wait, what is this? Or when did well, so, it when you go as... to When you go to, first let me say, well, let me... when you go to Wiki, it, it's the it fourth lists point. Them, well, Yeah, because it's, it's the fourth book titled Runaways. Okay, all right. So, as far as the run of Runaways is concerned, after Brian K. Vaughn, he wrote 42 issues across the first two volumes. Sure. Then Joss Whedon had a six-issue arc, which was pretty well-regarded. I think uh, it's pretty good. Does it uh, does it pick up on the other stuff? Is it its own thing? No, it's basically its own thing. Okay. Um, does it feel like it could have gone on longer and should have? He could have written it longer. I mean, I'm sure he's a busy guy then, too, as he is now. Uh, actually, I don't know. He might have been between... I think he was doing Dollhouse at that time. So, okay. I think he had a lot going on. Um, it was still a few years before he would have been hired for Avengers. Um, but Brian K. Vaughn did that. Yeah, 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 it was right around in that era. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but but Brian K. Vaughn did 42 issues, and it wrapped itself up pretty well. I mean, if that had been the end for the characters... Was it a good ending? Yeah, it was great. The six issues, though, was solid. Uh, then Terry Moore took over, and, you know, Terry Moore is a solid writer, but he did this very... It really hurt it with the third volume, because he did this bizarre thing where his very first story arc was about... Uh, it was actually very... It was very much about Carolina. Okay. Um, but... Uh, Nico casts a spell in it where the whole team suddenly, they like, she, she, she casts a spell called Separate to get them away from the danger, and they all physically separate, but then the rest of the arc, they're all being huge jerks and completely out of character to one another, but it, oh. it ends up being that the spell affected their relationships as well, ah. but instead it seems like Terry Moore just couldn't write the characters for six issues, and it yeah. turned off a lot of people as a result. Okay. So uh, he just made a real mistake. It was a bad st- way to start by being right. like, by making it look like you fundamentally don't understand the right. characters. What you need to do first is write like a normal arc. Ideally, uh, yeah, because yeah. it, it just really hurt the book. Then he wrote another arc. Then he left the book. Sarah Pichelli took over and was actually a really good run as well of mm-hmm. about five issues. Um, but then the book was canceled and it was Did just that have gone any kind for a while. So that didn't have any kind of ending, that arc. That left uh, things hanging, if I remember correctly. They showed up in Avengers Academy for a two-parter that did kind of put some closure to it. Oh, okay. Um, and I read that two-parter. Because I read... I mean, since then, I've read almost anything that these characters appear in. Um, I read Avengers AI for that reason. I read um, Avengers Arena. That was a big reason why. It was because... Avengers Arena's phenomenal. Nico and, and Chase were in it. Right. Um, Dennis Hopeless... Uh, I don't love his characterization, characterization of Chase, but, you know, he, it's pretty what solid. What was it? A lot of artists... I don't think he did it the worst. Um, I think Terry Moore did. But a lot of artists... Uh, Brian K. Vaughn, I think, gives Chase... He really gives the whole cast a lot of depth mm-hmm. during his run. Uh, but then a lot of artists will go back to the default with, that they start at, and Chase yeah. is just dude bro as hell. Yeah. Like, he gets a mohawk during, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the yeah. Avengers Undercover. Yeah. And they do a lot of... He's, like, super muscled in a lot of yeah. future arcs. Yeah. Where he's really just, you know, he's like a lacrosse athlete, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that the sport he yes, plays? it is. And his dad's threatening he, he not going to play lacrosse anymore in like the third, first issue, yeah. And so it's it's a lot of that. And they go super goth with Nico. I mean, she is, she dresses that way, but she doesn't always, I think, ever come across super, super goth. Well, I mean, the way they described it in one place, which I thought was accurate, I think it was on the Wikipedia page, they said um, she's, she's got, she dresses gothically as like a defense mechanism and to like, you know, keep people away yeah. from her because she's vulnerable in some such way that I'll probably find out more about. You know, it's the standard characters. They're game. archetypes. Sure. Really, Nico and Chase are the ones that have shown up the most, mm-hmm. uh, outside of I'm Victor. surprised not him. Uh, well, actually he has shown up some more. Cause um, I really like him. But. Oh, good. Uh, but, but yeah, after that, they just kind of appeared randomly okay. for a good bit. Then they had, during Secret Wars, one of the books they were like, yeah, we're going to do Runaways. And Noelle Stevenson wrote it, and she's a fantastic writer. The original so. Secret Wars or the newer the one? New one? The new one. The new one, yeah. yeah. Well, the original, <laughs> they oh, didn't no, exist no, back yeah, then. No, no. Um, I lose track of how many times. I know, I know, I know. No problem. <laughs> uh, but they did a Runaways, basically, like, because, you know, in Doom World, they were Runaways from the Academy okay. for Young Heroes there that okay. worship Doom. And Molly was on the team, but it was it was like young Amadeus Cho and a teenage Winter Soldier, and you know, so it was so it was called Runaways. Wait, I did run away, but they it wasn't like at it all wasn't. to do with Wait, the. But main. don't you love Amadeus Cho? Yeah. And don't you like Molly? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I didn't read a lot of the Secret Wars. Yeah, but the thing about it was the reason I always bring this up and it's always frustrating to me is we were at so many cons. At least twice was I at a shelf where there were like. 
uh, Marvel Comics 5 for 20 or something with that book there, and he, I could not get him to buy it. I don't, it doesn't, it's not Runaways as I want it to be. All right. I, can, I mean, think about that. When you have a book that you are a huge purist about and it was seminal to you, a significant alteration like that is going to be, you know... He, he read the shit out of Avengers yeah. Arena. Well, I don't want to say purist. It's just, I like these characters, yeah, 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 and yeah. that book didn't have them. Right, so right. It didn't, I didn't see the point. Like it was, I wouldn't want to put this on the shelf next to these complete collections once I have them all, because it's like it's not yeah. the story of the Runaways. It's Do you this other At the same team. time, though, maybe you'd love the new characters, too. Maybe, know? but it's same a one-off way. miniseries yeah, that went I nowhere. See, I see what you mean. Um, you expect Marvel to do some kind of... Oh, I absolutely yeah, expect that oh, there'll yeah. be a Runaways title next yeah. year. And it'll yeah. be like, this team. I would assume it's going to be very close to this team. Probably not a reboot, but I would I would assume this team would come back together because they've all a lot of them have gone on to other stuff in the Marvel universe. Right, right. But all you need is something related to the Pride yeah. or related to something they've done that could bring them all back together and That'd you know, be sweet. give them another reason to be runaways. Can you think uh, of an ideal writer who you would like for uh, a right. modern ideal writer? I mean, I got one. It, Brian K. Vaughn wanted to well, come. Yeah, that would yeah. Be the dream. Obviously, no, I got like, one. I got one that you would definitely approve. Gail Simone. It. Yeah, Gail Simone. How great would her runaways really be? Cool. She probably wouldn't do it though. But she's got her own shit going. She's a lot, but still. Honestly, cool. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, I think there's always some new voices that could come mm. up and do it. I, I would think a new voice. That's what this was. Right. And that's what a lot of the Tsunami imprint was, too, because Sean McKeever had done an independent book, but then he came over and did Sentinel. I, I mean, I think it is a good way to do new voices. Mm. Um, you know, honestly, uh, G. Willow Wilson, I wouldn't mind her that doing cool. it either. She can write teenagers with the best of them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, Runaways to me, this this still holds up. I, I think if you haven't read Runaways, you should 100% what? give it a shot, especially since the TV show is coming. Right. And the teaser that did leak uh, is chilling and how visually faithful. Yeah, faithful so let's, let's sum it a little bit. So I watched it. It's about 46 seconds long, um, and it's basically just the scene in the first issue where you see the Runaways, um, at, at that point not Runaways, all getting together for this thing, and they like watch this girl get murdered. They and, discover the passage. Yeah. And, yeah, and the passage opens up in this really good special effects. And uh, it just looks great. And the characterizations look excellent. Like, the the, the actors they picked, especially... Uh, I saw the image they did. Like, Alex looks off. phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alex looks great. Everyone really looks good. Uh, they, they is recast... everyone in it? Hmm? Is yeah, everyone... this is the six characters that are going to be the team. The only one they changed uh, was... Um, Molly is uh, Latinx now. Uh, instead of just being... A white girl, and they—if they do anything, I guess they would make her an inhuman instead of a mutant. I don't know how tied in that is. Mm-hmm. They've been very cagey on that. Like they have not said this is in the MCU at all. It is just Runaways. Okay. But they had talked about doing it in the MCU for so long that I, it's one of those things where they haven't said either way. So it, it probably isn't. I don't know that it needs to be. No, nah, I mean it's very. Do much it on its own. Beast, do yeah. it on its own. I mean, even in this, it connects peripherally. Later, right. does it connect more? Yeah, there are more have I mean, there are too many series. There's Runaways Civil War and Runaways Secret Invasion that are more that are in, tied in. In the in the Vaughn run? They are well, they're not in the Vaughn run. I actually can't even remember if he wrote them. But they are in these complete collections. Um Oh, so they don't even count as part of the uh No, they're not part of that at all. They were mini series. Wait, what are they called? Uh ru- actually I think it was Runaways Young Avengers Civil War and then I think Runaways Young Avengers uh, Secret Invasion. Oh, okay. They're basically tie-in miniseries to the events of the time. But they're not 
part of so okay here's my confusion so now they're not the 42 issues that right. he wrote so nowadays what happens is they they pull two issues from miss marvel and they just make those tie-in issues it wasn't like that then no i mean it? it goes both ways they did tie-in issues they do mini series now i mean amazing spider-man civil war 2 was a mini series okay so i mean it but it was that they way. were mini series they weren't tie-ins yeah yeah interesting um but the show looks good so far visually um uh, wow, it's Josh it. Schwartz and uh, Stephanie Savage so are both OC really good. And OC, Chuck, Gossip Girl. So definitely the wheelhouse of type of shows you right, want. Right, sure. for sure. Um, uh, Zeb Wells wrote Civil War, Young Avengers, Runaways. Oh, okay. Uh, the same guy who wrote that uh, Spider-Man book that I always saw. I always remember his name on that. Yeah. Um, I forget which one it was. Uh, the one which was very uh, action scene based. Oh, Avenging Spider-Man? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's without question. Runaways is great. Rich, what about you? Uh, I mean, it's it's phenomenal. I I have uh, been collecting these as we go to conventions. These this particular collection of them because I love these uh, these six issue uh, hardcovers. They're gorgeous, and I just I just think it's a I just think it's great. I just want to read more of it um, because you know it's just one of those books I always intend to get back to. And now that it has you know a show coming out, and obviously us talking about it on this show has got me even more pumped. So I'm ready to go back and read a lot more of it. And one day, um, when we get a chance to uh, talk about it again, I'd love to like do a retrospective of the whole series once that'd we've all cool. read it. Yeah, that'd be that cool. would be uh, that would I'm be all a lot set. of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're ready <laughs> you're right to go. Now. Why don't yeah, we just? Yeah. Uh, why don't we just, just, just I can just chat for a Ke- while. Kevin with myself. and I, Kevin and I, will go run away and uh, yeah. read some uh-huh. more. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even intentional. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just got the name. Anyway, um, great book. And I know you said great oh, book. Absolutely. Um, so we'll have again. Though I, I also feel a little premature to really be able to talk about the series. You know what oh, I mean? Sure. It's very early. Um, and, and reading that six issues, it's literally the origin story. I promise it lives up. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> Cool. Um, awesome. Do you, do you think it gets better and better as it goes, or is it one of those where there's certain arcs that are better than others? Or no, it definitely builds as more depth is added to the characterization. Like so the gets, second so, volume. So issue forty two is like the best issue of the whole thing. Uh, well, I'll say this: it is definitely a Brian K. Vaughn ending to that run. <laughs> well, at least there's something after it. <laughs> Um, all right, but that's Runaways, I guess. Yeah. We all get awesome. on that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I know you have an announcement, um, right? A couple, I guess, technically. Okay. Uh, but uh, as always, you can find us online at yep. thejoyofgaming.com, where we have our full episode archives. You can find us at thejoyofgeek.net, where we'll probably start writing stuff again soon. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, You can find us at thejoyofgaming, thejoyofgeek on Facebook, at thejoyofgame on Twitter, and uh, I think that's... Is that everything? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And For you, me, uh, at Rich Lepore on Twitter. Also, I just started a new writing job um, on smanewstoday.com. SMA is the disease I have, and so I'm writing a weekly column there, so you can find me on there. Awesome. And that column is called Embracing My Inner Alien, so check that out. Wow. Yeah. Nice title. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Sounds brilliant. There's a lot of sci-fi talk on there. I have <laughs> yeah. heard yeah. that... I have heard that... Um, you wouldn't say it about yourself, but you, you've been uh, doing the SMA event circuit mm. um and uh, i heard that it was like mic drop material like really really nailed it on some of your speeches cool. i mean obviously yeah. you know the subject matter is what's important more more than anything else yeah. but having a good presentation never hurts anybody right yeah definitely um so props on that man thanks man. Appreciate cool it. all right and uh you can find me well they can also find you at oh yeah at kw shafe on twitter and you can find me at indigo master e-n-d-i-g-o-m-a-s-t-e-r uh, com, which is still kind of a mess because I mainly just use facebook.com slash Writer, 
which I changed the URL on the Terminal Protocol page. So now that's oh, yeah, just yeah, a yeah. general Facebook for all of my writing. And as of probably maybe a few days before or after this episode comes out, May 23rd is the launch of Well, I will my, make sure this comes out before that. The next Kickstarter for my second project uh, with Marie Ang- Anger, uh, Finding Peace, which is a supernatural horror comic about an exorcism and an exorcist that goes to a home that's haunted to help a guy out and communes with a ghost and finds out some stuff. Things happen. It's another short, like, Terminal Protocol, so I don't want to give too much away, but if you like horror, if you like fantastic horror artwork, uh, Marie Anger is fantastic to work with. Um, But that is all being previewed on social media and is going to be on Kickstarter May 23rd through June 20th, right after Heroes Con. And uh, we got a lot of great things. It'll be a lower price point than the last book to get the physical or the PDF. Uh, stickers, art rewards, a bunch of pinups from what are currently a bunch of unannounced artists, but it's going to be a lot of fun, hopefully. Uh, so check that out. And then this is also, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, I, I, I vaguely alluded to why I'm not going to read single issues anymore, and that's because I am moving to a town that doesn't have a comic shop. I cannot believe oh, it. Did, I, that, 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 that bomb got dropped on me in the car, and that's I just can't. Because you were saying, I'm, there's got to be something close by. In I Kansas, where Superman is from? What? It's what a, is this it's nonsense? A, it's a, they have <laughs> I love two it. gaming stores. What and is this nonsense? What, like GameStop? Well, no, like like board gaming stores. Oh, okay. And well, they don't they, sell comics at them? If they do, it, you know, it's not going to be comic yeah, shop. Yeah. And then they also have a Books A Million. Books A Million is the best bookstore in terms of single issues. No, there's just a Books A Million. Books A Million is better than Barnes & Noble. Like, they actually sell single issues in in bags and boards. And they have lots of trades, uh, trades, like like indie trades. Variant trades. They do a lot of those fried pie variants. But the bigger thing is, yes, I am moving to Kansas in about... For a year. Uh, at least a year, possibly two oh. years. Oh, really? It depends on where uh, my fiance's residency ends up. She graduated vet school today, and last night there were two ceremonies. I saw her doctorate, and it blew my freaking brain. <laughs> I mean, just to see a doctorate degree, I don't know. I'm very, I don't know. I just, I, I for me, I'm very impressed. Not by oh, you're a doctor, whatever. I mean, that's I get that that's impressive. Some people are impressed. Into it, yeah. That's right, right. It's just when yeah. you look at, at at the sum of a life that takes to get that piece of paper. Yeah, that's what blows me away. All right. Uh, but yeah, I will be moving to Kansas, so uh, this is our last time recording all in the same room for a while, at least. Um, I will be back on, on visits. I'm hoping to come back for NC Comic Con sure. Bull City, and we might record something then. We'll record something at Heroes, so maybe this isn't the last, last time, but yeah. you know, who knows. And uh, But in this lovely studio. Yes, in the professional now. studio. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll still Skype in. I might not. We'll, Kevin and Rich still will be here and they're going to have guests on, but I'm not leaving the podcast or the sure. website. I'm just probably going to dial back at least for a little bit as I sure. figure out what life in Kansas is like. Right, right. Um, um, but that's that's going to be really cool. Um, so we're going to bring in some new voices. Also, you know, keep uh, keep Jordan as much as, as frequently as he wants to be here. Here. Um, we're gonna do it. Jordan and I are definitely gonna do uh, Joy of Gaming on some kind of rotation. We'll oh yeah, that'll that still be. I mean, that'll be easy. Yeah. That's we, we do that once a month at at least. So. Yeah, it's fun. It's yeah, fun. We so, enjoy talking gaming. Um, so that'll definitely continue to happen, and then um, gonna be on Central Time. That's gonna be gonna we'll make it work. It's gonna f with you at first, but you, you know all you the know. shows come on an hour early. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? You know, in, in, in related news, um, Saturday Night Live um, is now going to be on at, like, normal time everywhere. So at least you'll be able to watch it when everyone else does. Yeah. For what that's um, worth. I, yeah, I'll still get all the curse words that slip through. 
Yeah, true. Um, true. But yeah, it's 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 a little scary to move to Kansas. But you can again keep up with me on social media. The the most uplifting thing Jordan could say in the car over here was, "I still have a month <laughs> before I move. <laughs> I get to go to HeroesCon before I leave. Yeah, right. uh, we'll party there, and we'll see. I think it's not going to be as bad as he thinks. This is save. I, mean, I, I I regale Jordan with this about every two weeks. But there's this saves the day is maybe my favorite band of all time, top three for sure. And they have this really great line. And it's talking about touring, and you know, tour, bands that tour are some of the only people that ever see every state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But he, after seeing everything, lead singer Chris Conley, um, he has this line where he's like, "There's something free about Kansas, like staring across an ocean now." And it's a really great line, and I've always like wanted uh, to see Kansas ever since seeing that line. It's so flat, right? Right, it's flat as shit. You can see forever. <laughs> um, but you can see all the way back to Raleigh. Yeah, really. And so I gotta see that one day. So I'll visit um, and we'll check it out. But, yeah, you know, keep up with me on social media. Back my project so I, I don't feel like I'm running into the abyss with nothing to lose. Something tells uh, me you're going to be all right, man. But. I didn't know two years, maybe. Woo. Maybe. It depends on where. We're going to move somewhere. Even I'm not. getting reveals. All right, good. Uh, but, yeah, that was Runaways. What are you guys going to be reading, Kevin? In the coming weeks, let's see. Um, so still a lot of Rebirth stuff. Um, like, I want to catch up on Blue Beetle, Titans. Um, well, let's see what it- Man thing is gonna finish up. Um, what else? I have like a big stack of stuff. Oh, I gotta read the new saga trade. That's uh, um, a what? The new saga trade. Oh right. Oh, you haven't read seven yet? Not yet. I was wondering why you didn't mention it. Now I know what. Because I want to. I kind of need to reread the other. At least some of the previous ones. Just to. I remember the basic events, but um, I need to catch up on that. Um, Let's see. Still reading XO. I don't know. There's always a pile of stuff on my desk. There's so much oh, stuff yeah. to read, oh, and, yes. and, and, and it's true. I have so many things that I want to get back to. You yeah. guys have been doing a huge deep dive. You didn't get mentioned much here, but you guys have both been reading a lot of Hellboy. And I know yeah. you'll probably mm-hmm. read more, right? Yeah. Or are you about done? No, I'm not about done, but it has been a while since I was... Oh, it's yeah. It's been over a year since I started Hellboy. Yeah. The Hellboy true. reboot. Uh, yeah, they did announce the Hellboy no, reboot. But with no Pearl... Movie. But with no Pearl I'm Men glad, Del Toro. dude. I'm glad there's no Pearl Men. I, uh, I don't know. Something I mean I I, I know Del Toro too. It's crap. That's I mean over. it's a good team. It's um, <laughs> it just wasn't the, getting made. It's David not... Harbour is gonna play him, and then the who's that? The guy from Stranger Things, who's the sheriff. Oh, good. So That's he solid. like he really does look like him, kind of too. Like I want to say that as an insult. You look like Hellboy, but yeah, but I can I can see him in the cost. And then the one of the Game of Thrones directors is doing Hellboy it, does so. all right with the ladies. I don't know that that's the worst thing. True, yeah. <laughs> dude. I mean he's awesome. Yeah, but. It's just I'll always have this. The Pearlman Del Toro one will always have a special place in my heart. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, I know I'm going to be reading the heck out of some Runaways now because I realized yes. that I have the oh, first yeah. five uh, yeah. arcs. So wait, so so there's the... I'm sorry, I'm going to go back. But um, So Teenage Wasteland, then there's the Good Die Young, and then what, what does that take me to? Through uh, issue 18. That's everything in here. Okay. And then at that point, I have two more with six each. So then what am I still missing? Three more after that? You are missing two more with Vaughn and then one with Whedon. Okay. And then, you know, three volumes in volume three. But I, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So now, this is the first time he's finally kind of... Yeah. No, I've said the first ten issues of that are pretty meh. Oh, no, no, no. You said what was maybe misunderstood about them. But I didn't know that they yeah, that but also it, made them meh. Yeah, they're, they're not as good as Brian K. Vaughn and Joss Whedon. Oh, I, I'm not I'm But not Kelly was pretty good. Again, okay. just, she only got to write three, so, so five the ter- or four So definitely issues. the weakest parts, the more run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that I just wanted to understand that. Sure. Um, if anybody knows, it's you, man. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. cool. Well, on that note, we got a lot of cool stuff to do. Oh, you know what? Also, somehow we got to find a way to talk about upfronts. 
because upfronts are common, man. Upfronts yeah. are so much fun to talk yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Uh, well, on that note, I'm Rich Lapore. Jordan Alseka. Kevin Shaver. Talk to you soon. Take Bye-bye. care.